podcast back another episode i'm your host q lynn if you're new here this is a podcast if you if you are into 70s and 80s we're we all about the cassette tape jams this is what the podcast is for we talk about all things great singers great songwriters and producers and the next guest that i'm about to introduce special guest i know i say that every episode but this is a very very special guest I've interviewed him before, but this I feel like it's going to be a good time again. I just I just need to I feel like I'm going to commiserate this moment because I feel like it's it's going it's going to really ju- rejuvenate my spirit and what I need to get. But this artist that I'm getting singer songwriter. First off, let me let me get the introduction right. Singer songwriter, <laughs> amazing. When I tell you, listen, I don't even listen. We're gonna have I'm having my producer Rob gonna cue up the music so you can hear these these uh, <laughs> these amazing vocals. Rob gonna cue it up in the y'all hearing it right now. These amazing vocals. And when I tell you, this guy is just musical ascension in human form. Got a single out, Feelings. He has a live version. It came out November 19th. If you don't have it, I don't know what's wrong with you. I feel like it's. it's you should have you should have been had it should have been on your radar but fantastic artist he's also been a, a contestant on the American Idol he's done so many great things but y'all give it up right now for Mr. Dre Scott yo thank you kindly for having me we're again. gonna get we're gonna have the claps and stuff in the background I'm gonna add that in there so that that's gonna be added in there but how you doing <laughs> I'm doing well I'm doing well thank you for having me again for thinking of me again. Oh no problem. Listen, you got listen. You hot out here, man. The feelings. Listen, we gonna get into that uh, later on when I ask you the questions. But sir, the the singles is singling. I don't know how else to properly say that, but they they giving me everything I need. But what we do on this podcast, I'm gonna do a segment we call uh, Musical Genesis. I'm gonna get to the beginning of your story. And start off asking you, what was your introduction? Who was your, not that they were your favorite singer, but who was your introduction into music? Who was the first artist you remember growing up? My first artist I remember growing up. Uh, I would have to split Smokey Robinson as far as my, mm-hmm. my earliest, earliest regulation of, of like sound that I, that I kind of, was drawn to with Smokey Robinson. Um, and then I always loved like like the, the 70s bands, like uh I love stylistics, mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. whispers, um, you know, I the barge. Give me like a, a falsetto singer. That was always something I always mm-hmm. loved because my voice was always was high. Um and mm-hmm. it was easier to mimic, you know, so we we like to mimic what what we um what we find appealing and what we could, we, you know, what was tangible for us. So all them falsetto singers, I always was drawn to. Um, but I would say, I would say Smokey Robinson would be the first one that I, I really just was kind of infatuated with. Was it a specific uh, album or song? 
Um, yeah, it was actually Tears of a Clown. Okay. Tears of a Clown, randomly. That one I, I, I loved. That one attracts my tears. But Tears of a Clown, I, there was something about the um just that track. That um little oh wow that was so I don't know it was it was cool to me. Mm-hmm. It was cool. Yeah. And your in, in terms of uh your childhood upbringing, was was uh were you a kid that grew up in church or uh stayed in church or like because I know for me I grew up uh the only time I went to church was with my grandmother and when I went with her we had to go all the time. It wasn't no you sleeping in Sundays like nope you going to church. Did you uh what what was your your background like in terms of your uh your introduction in the music? I know you come from from that, but what in terms of yeah. that uh like singing as a kid, when did that start? Yeah, well, I guess for singing singing for me was kind of just something I always I always did. I didn't have musical people in my family. I didn't really have musical mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, singers and musicians mm-hmm. uh, surrounding me. It's just something that I always liked to do. Something Singing was just kind of something I did always. Um, church was one place. Um, I went to like a, you know, like a Christian daycare. You know, it was, okay. it was a Christian daycare when I grew up. So like, I, you know, singing in the little kid choirs and stuff. I had my little first solo when I was four. Um, before I started <laughs> kindergarten, um, in the in the choir, and I I think that's when my my parents kind of realized that oh this you know my kid sings, um, mm-hmm. but yeah no I think just kind of really that was that and in you know I also was a I went to church every Sunday with my grandma, and again mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't no choice. I, grandma was like <laughs> right, we're gonna go to church, um, <laughs> until right. we got old enough. To, I want to say about ten. To where she, mm-hmm. which I, I love my grandma for, I probably off top from the music, but she was like, you know what this is about? I'm not forcing God on you. Mm-hmm. You know, you come, you come to Him in in your own terms. You get to know Him yourself. The door is always open whenever you want to come. You, you, and she was like that with all of her grandkids. So you're gonna come until you are old enough to 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 know what it is, and then I'm not forcing it on you. Gotcha. Um. So, uh, but I then later on came to Christ on my own, to my own, you know from my own church um, outside of my grandma's church, uh, Emmanuel Baptist in San Jose. Um, mm-hmm. Got baptized and joined the choir there and, you know, fell in love with gospel. But I've, I've always loved singing since I was a kid. I just don't know. I don't. I can't really tell you who really inspired me. It was just kind of something I, I just did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like when you're in church, it's like, it's like something you do. It's like for me, like being in church, I didn't really, until I started playing instruments in church I didn't really because we was in the choir and it was just fun I think just being around kids your age in the youth choir it was just that was a fun experience but I didn't really start you know like when you're in church it's just like you just there <laughs> yeah. and you see it all yeah. the stuff that was going on yeah but yeah, um, just, yeah. your gift developing or you know what even before I even get to that who was a who was a I know you said uh, it wasn't anybody particular, but was there, I guess, uh, as you're learning your voice and all that stuff, um, was there a specific artist, like, when you seen him, it was, like, that singing to you, like, in terms of, like, you like, oh, oh Patty wow. LaBelle. Patty oh, LaBelle. wow. Okay. Patty LaBelle, that one, uh, that was, like, that's where I was I moved, was, like, I want 
to do that. I want to feel the way she's making me feel with my mm. voice. She, she, she was doing, and back in the day, I could probably still do it now. I ain't, I ain't had cable in 10 years, but um, <laughs> Sundays on BET, they had like the little gospel videos and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, there was one with her doing uh, Walk Around Heaven, which I loved because I only knew the Mighty Clouds of Joy version. Mm-hmm. So she did her version. It was at, I want to say the Stellar Awards. Um, and I was blown away when I talk about obsessed with this woman, tripping out obsessed with this woman. And like, I've all, I've already had like an introduction to music. Like my father um, loved soul. And like, oh, we call it, I'm from the Bay. We call them low rider oldies. So like, Ted, like Teddy mm-hmm. Pendergrass and, mm-hmm. uh you know, like the Delphonics, the Manhattan's, like Stafford Roger, exact. Yes, all them. Mm-hmm. I grew up listening to. I, I like. I loved. That's that's just like that was my daddy's drinking music. Um, but something about <laughs> Patty, you know, about okay. Patty stuck with me, and I was like, oh, I like this. This moved me in a way that more than just a great song. Like mm-hmm. vocally, that's. I didn't realize there was more. There was no to me. There was like there was no limit to what she could do, and that mm. was so. Uh, it was magical to me, you know, because I could I, I see somebody play play a, a guitar or whatever or a piano, and it ends. To me, it's like oh, there's 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 no end to what a voice could do, and I think that was the the start of my infatuation with with voice was with Patty. Mm. And. Your journey with music, what was that age for you to where it was like, like, I can sing? Or or was it like uh, you just constantly practicing it? Or did you, was there like a specific age where you knew you could, you could sing? Um, I want to say like around 14, 13, okay. 13, 14, 14. I always, like, again, I always sang. I was just that one always humming. Um, I, I always, I just, I loved music. I was that, I like, I'd be in the back seat of the car. I'm always singing a harmony, which my mom didn't mm. like me doing because she was like, "You're a lead singer," blah blah blah. blah. But I, something mm. about I love the harmony. I was always singing a harmony to something. I just, I, I enjoyed singing, but it's different when your family says something. You know, mm-hmm. your mom gonna tell you you're good regardless. Your grandpa, my rest in peace, my grandfather, one of my biggest fans. Uh, both, you know, all my grandparents. Um, but I did, and I've, I've, and I was singing. I was gigging in in bars and stuff since I was twelve, thirteen, um, with Hawaiian music. My first kind of start in introdu- in introduction with like gigging and performing was with Hawaiian music. Um, mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I did a talent show in high school. I was part of BSU. We put on a talent show, um, and I sang at school. I sang this woman's work at school mm. in high school. Um, and then I had like a couple people come up like crying. I had a you know, people just really kind of come up and be like, yo, you you sing. So it, that's when it kind of clicked. I was like, oh, I'm good at I'm good at this. It's not just like mom's hyping me up. It's not just, mm. you know, grandparents, you know, you did good boy type of set. You know, it was just like right. oh, this is something that's more than just a hobby and that's kind of when mm. i started uh recognizing it and um giving it attention 
So I say 14. 14. And was it the temp? Was it just, just singing in school? Just were you in uh, the school choir? Did you do that? Or was it just you just doing it by yourself? Um, all of the above. Um, I was okay. in school choir. I was in church choir. Um, again, since like 12, 12 years old, I was performing with Hawaiian music, which is um, okay. singing. Um, but mm. I was doing bars every Saturday, you know, three hour gigs, getting like twenty five dollars, twenty five thirty dollars, three hour gigs. To me, that was a lot of money. You know, I'm making make mm. my own shit, and you know, it, it was cool uh, with you know with the band along with the band. And I was playing, I played my ukulele and stuff, and uh, something I just kind of always did. But I kind of just really like after after that is when I kind of really honed in. Like, let me let me try to do. Let me try to uh, refine this. Let me try to perfect mm. it. Let me try to do more than what I'm just already doing, which is at that time, like any other singer, anybody, um, it's just mimicking. Mm. You know, you're like a sound, you try to be something that you like. Mm. So let me try to figure out what I do and make it mine. Um, you know, and that that took ye- that took years. But I started, I want to say I started after that, that talent show is when I was like, cool, let me try to find my own voice. Well, I, I'm always intrigued by that uh, Hawaiian music because I, I realized there was so many soulful people that come from there. Like with uh, they, they just love. I didn't know that they like had a big soul following. Like with Japan, like I didn't know that either. Like you know, mm-hmm. until you start traveling, like they got a big like soul, you know, so kind of underground thing. Uh, some of the clubs that I, I hadn't traveled there in years, but when I went there, I was like, oh, y'all actually like Eric Benet. <laughs> <laughs> Whitney Houston, all that stuff, but with uh, your uh, that background, what was that like in terms of doing Hawaiian music? What what's that experience like? Um, growing up in that, so I, I did I did traditional Hawaiian music, so like in like in the native tongue in Ololo Hawaii, mm-hmm. um, they mm-hmm. call it um Leo Kiekie, which Leo is voice and Kiekie means to to skip, so it's basically like a uh, it's like a yodel, so it's Hawaiian mm. falsetto, um, it's okay. traditional. It's a traditional, uh, I guess, technique. I would say traditional form of of singing, um, which I loved sonically. It was just it was so nice. Um, long story short, uh, my father was taken in by um, a Hawaiian family in high school. One of his best friends was from Hawaii that moved to the Bay. They took him in, um, knocked up my mom right out of high school. <laughs> they took us, took us in. So I grew up around all these cultures, you know, with my, my mom's black, my dad's white. And then I grew up in like a Polynesian household around, you know, mm-hmm. so I had, I had perspectives in, in song and culture, just every aspect of it that you could think of. Um, and it was nice. So that was just one sound that I kind of cling to at that time because it, it, w- it triggered it triggered a good feeling for me and it's just something I never heard of. And it was, it was beautiful. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, something I did. Um, and then later on to know, cause again, the, the connection with, with the soulful music, I didn't really do non-Hawaii music until that mm-hmm. talent show mm-hmm. on some real shit. Like that was, that was kind of like my first, go at doing non-Hawaiian music. I always listened mm-hmm. to it. I just I just never sang it. It wasn't something that was um 
number one, making me money, or right. number two, be giving what people weren't really giving uh attention or focus to it. Well, the Hawaiian music, mm. I was I was doing it and I was it was like cool, you, you're great at this, cool. So I'm gonna stick with this. And then I did that, and then I got everybody else's like, yo, this is great. I'm like, cool. Um, so I did mm. both for, for years, for years on years. Your experience with being in the choir at church and school, what was that like for you in terms of like what you were interpreting, like in terms of, because I know uh, for me, just being in choir, it was like, like I was in the alto section, but then you start drifting off, like, you know, people don't show up to rehearsal and do what they're supposed to do. So you end up singing soprano notes, you know, at one rehearsal, and then you maybe end up singing tenor. If you can do all three, some people can't do all of it, but I could, yeah, yeah. I could, you know, move around there. But then I realized like, what a perfect pitch was like, all right, it'd be to the point where like I could just hear it and I already magically know where the note was and all that stuff. Did you like start developing that? Like being like, oh, I know where we're supposed to be at, like in terms of developing perfect pitch and choir. Yeah, I mean, I was I was already I could already recognize a harmony like a three and a five um mm -hmm. before I even joined choir. That's just kind of something I I already picked up. As a kid, mm -hmm. it was I always paid attention to the backing vocals. That was that mm -hmm. was always, always my favorite part of a, of a track, and I, I I feel like that um it it shows in my music now. I put my my backing vocalists or my my vocal arrangements are damn near um, mm -hmm. doing as much work as I'm doing because I right. I, I put all my my uh, energy into the vo vocal arrangement. I write I write the background vocals as I'm writing the song. I feel like I hear those first, so that's just kind of something I always heard as a kid. It's something I love to do. Like like I said before, my mom always used to be like, "Stop singing that. You're a lead singer. If you're gonna do it, do it the front." I'm like, I like the harmonies. What makes the song cool? Yeah, I like the harmony. Um, so like in in church, they they were really like, "No, you're a dude. You're gonna be the tenor." So I I stuck mm -hmm. just with the tenor. They were very, you know. Yeah, 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 you know the elders. The you, dude, you gonna be right. on tennis to your part. Right, right, right. Shut up, sweat under this robe, keep it moving. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, for high school, I was all over the all over the place. The choir teacher um, just had me going wherever I fitted. Um, there was a lot of times it was me and my friend Andrew, who we went to church together. Um, and he was our like youth choir director. Um, we were the only two people that did harmony. So a lot of the times for the choir, which is so, so bad, shout out to Mr. Ty, but <laughs> the whole other choir would just sing the melody and then give me and Andrew the mics and we'd hold down the harmony. I'd do the top and Andrew do the bottom while the whole choir oh, was just doing wow. the that's, that's wild. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Was not he wasn't teaching properly, but <laughs> um, but yeah, nah, that's just kind of something I always I always gravitated to, and um, I always loved. I kind of had a, a ear for that, um, early on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, you and I was gonna get into that too. Your background vocals, that, but yeah, just um, speaking of background vocals, uh. Cause it, I read a, uh, was it Luther Vandross autobiography book? Fantastic is by uh, Craig Seymour. He's one of my, 
one of my good people, he's been on the podcast before. He wrote, he's probably the only one that has wrote the autobiography of Luther Vandross' uh, story. And Luther, mm-hmm. like, um, in a very specific era, too, it was during the Jim Crow era when he was uh, born and raised. And so it was a lot of that. But he just, uh, Luther just locked in in terms of, like, learning, like, the, the Dion, Dion's and the Aretha's. Like, he was, like, a scientist when it came to back with uh, vocals like that he's like he could literally like in the book he just would he could tell you every intricate part of what they were doing vocally and he just studied it and so what you're saying it was like luther had that in his like that's why he was so like like the lisa fishers and you know what i mean that that background like you know he was just very adamant like making sure you know your your notes and he comes from that um working with roberta flack but was there like a specific, like the Luthers, did you check out there, like when you were a kid, like checking out the background vocal? Because that's what I was a fan of. I love the background vocals. That's why I learned who everyone was, is looking at the liner notes, looking at the uh, the credits on the albums. It's like, oh, who's this? Who's on that? And, you know, yeah. learning that, you know, Shantae Moore was singing background on Babyface Records and, you know, all these different people, Sherelle and, you know, all these people were singing Angela Winbush singing background on on uh, Stevie Wonder records. It's like, but but uh, in terms of that, were you that kid that was watching, like looking at that earlier on, who who was who in the background vocals on album credits? No. So here's the thing: a lot of the music that I loved, none of my friends liked. None of my parent, like my parents, didn't like. So not proud of it. But I grew up in. I, yeah, but I grew up in the LimeWire <laughs> era. Right. <laughs> so I did, you know, I didn't have the um the access to the linear notes or to none of that stuff. I just liked what I liked. I just heard. Oh, it so you, so when you were when you were a kid, you you got into the it was the CDs and stuff. I mean, in terms of the downloading the burner, <laughs> the CDs, you didn't get the actual. It was record. radio. And radio. Oh, okay. I got you. 98.1. 98.1 is the oldest station um, back when people listened to radio. Um, me growing up, um, that's where I got it. And I'm, I'd always, I'd write it down because they'd always say, okay. that, this is who it's from, blah, blah, blah. And I'd write it down. I'd have that radio on. I, I didn't have a TV in my room. I just like my radio. I was like one of the few kids like um, growing up. All my friends had little TVs, but you know, the big ass box in the back. At that time, mm. I had my radio yeah. and I, I had my little notebook and I wrote down the song that I heard. I was like, oh, I love this. This That was that was my okay. entertainment. Um, and internet wasn't what it was now. So I didn't have that, nor mm-hmm. did I have the money to go to, you know, your Tower Records and pick up a, a cassette. Um, mm. So I, I didn't get that luxury until later on when I got older. Okay. To kind of really know who these people were. I just based on like solely on on Sonic preference is what I what mm. I was drawn to. Um, and then later on, when the little lime wire shit popped up, I was like, "Cool, ah, this, 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 this." <laughs> um, because yeah, because you know, you're not. I wasn't. Parents wouldn't buying CDs like that, you know. Um, because a lot of the times I've only heard that one song, and there'd be times we're like, "Well, what do you like about this?" $15 album. Oh. I love this song. Well, we ain't gonna buy this $15 album for this song. Um, oh, okay. I just didn't have the chance to listen to all of them, you know, which, and then the older I got, 
I realized the hits were great, but the album songs were even better. Um, but I didn't get to I didn't get that till like I was till I was older because I didn't really have access to to CDs like that because nobody really liked the music that I liked in my circle. See, I went out of order. This is what happened. I'm getting. Uh, I'm in my thirties, so I'm getting older. I be trying. I like. I should wrote this down because I be trying to remember the questions in my head. That was, I should have asked you this one first. What was your first listening device? That's what I should have asked you before I asked that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I get my, my, my little boombox. I did have a like a tape. I remember like you know the what is that? Advanced been so long. I don't even remember what they called anymore. <laughs> a stereo. Yeah, like the, the one that had the CD and the the cassette. I forgot the name of it. It was uh, was it Sony that had that, yes. or was it the gray one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, I had that one uh -huh. when I was I think twelve or thirteen. That was my first one. Um, and I'm I'm twenty nine, so I only had it for a couple years, and then get out of here! I didn't know you was that young. That's how old you are. Twenty nine. Yeah, I just get turned twenty. The hell out of here! <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know why I thought you was my age. I thought you was like uh, either a year behind me. Wow. That's crazy. I'm 29. No wonder why you don't know that. <laughs> no wonder why. I think, <laughs> I think you late, think you late 80s. Is the, no, I'm like, no wonder why you don't know. I thought you were going to say cassette tape. That's what I thought you was going to say. <laughs> yeah, no, no. no. Again, like, that started yeah. going out at that time. So, okay. you know what I mean? And, by, and I grew up with the with the i with the iPod era, you know, by the time. Oh, so that was yeah. That oh, it was the first iPod. It was a, the yeah. MP3 player and then. Well, MP3 the, players, yeah. By the time I hit, like, I would say that came out at like fifth, sixth grade for me. So that's my era. So we don't Jeez. get the luxury of the linear notes anymore. Well, I know, right? That definitely stopped because that then that's that that's like uh early two thousand. That's like oh three oh four because that's when I got mm -hmm. MP3. Well, I think it was uh, 2006. When did Tamiya's best friends come out? I think it was 05 or 06. That's when I got an MP3 player. Because I would, it was uh, the ones where you had to, then I would work too. Kids don't even know about that, where you had to manually put down, like you said, LimeWire, <laughs> downloaded and then put it on there. They don't know, yeah, they don't know nothing about that. It's a whole different generation that has no idea what an MP3 player is. <laughs> yep. Yep. But yeah, so that that's that that's my thing. That was that was mine. But um, that's crazy. I always, always love the backing vocals. I was love the backing vocals. Who uh, is there? Artists in particular that you you like their their backgrounds on oh, um, records? I, well, the arrangement wise, I love. For me, it's, it's tweet. Mm. I love tweets vocal arrangements. Mm. They're just so it's I. Everything is so pockety, like it's just she just sits in a nice little groove. Mm -hmm. The production ain't too crazy, but she, she just lets the vocals just kind of move and get yeah. like you know the the uh she just gives uh, it that flair because it's quartet. It's like it's like yes. she's in that quartet pocket, but she's putting such a like modern twist to it. Like it's like it's not too churchy. It's like she's like in between that. I don't know. Yeah. Like you said, the way she captures that is just. Crazy. And, and, and I like that they're their own parts. It's not like a three and five over the melody. They're their mm -hmm. own separate entity, yeah. which I love. And majority of my songs, 90% of my songs are that way. What I'm singing has nothing to do with what they're doing. They're mm -hmm. going to, 
basically they're all singing a separate song mm -hmm. that just oh, that intertwines. And um, I just I just love that. I love that everybody else is highlighted in that sense. I went mm. on Shaka Khan at a Blue Note, uh, and Lisa mm -hmm. Fisher was backing her. Mm -hmm. And the way and that 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 concert in particular always stuck out to me because everybody was highlighted. And my thing is a Shaka Khan, so you know, anybody when you initially go, I'm just there to see Shaka Khan. Right. At the end of that, I was a fan of every single person on that stage. Mm -hmm. I got to know everybody's talent, everybody's gift ridiculous and then background singers when i tell you i forgot shaka was on that stage for a second <laughs> what yeah so i'm like y'all are yeah. ridiculous and it's so good and i i love an artist that shares and that and my my respect level for shaka went up even more because i'm like this woman is so talented and she is so uh so sure of herself she knows She's, you know, she sits in her talent that she could share the stage with all these other talented people and still, you know, own her, her greatness. Right. That, that show changed my life. And I, and I carry my songs and I carry my live shows the same way. Everybody's singing on the stage because it's not just me. I can't mm -hmm. make this by myself. I may hear it. I may compose it, but everybody is a part of this and everyone's going to be seen and heard. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved it. Whew. And you said you grew up in it, so man, so Idol happened kind of early for what? How old were you when you did that? My first season, I was 15. Oh my god, that is wow! So, your first season was 15. What was the one with um, when you had your big moment? I felt like that's that's when I was like, he should have won the damn thing when you did the Eric Benet. What, what was that? Uh, your second time. Yeah, I'm the second time. I was 16. That was the year after. So 16 and then Okay, so yeah, after. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. when I said that. I think that was the year I stopped watching it because I was like, oh, clearly, you know, these people voting in don't know. <laughs> I was so, because I was invested. I was like, he's going to win. But then you started playing the Elder Bar. I was like, ah. I was like, because I, I knew it was great. I was like, it was a great choice for me. But I was like, the audience, I was like, you know, sometimes they don't, you you got to pick the safe ones because they be, you know, they be tripping. I was like, man, yeah. he should have made it through. But yeah. Yeah, well, they didn't, I didn't like, again, my 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 taste was, and I didn't really know my voice at that time. I did I was literally only singing falsetto. I only really knew how to really control that part of my voice. Control, I say. You know, I was mm. still a kid. I was still figuring that out. So to me, like, I didn't think I should have won to, uh, honestly, I didn't think I should have got that far. Um, if you think so? Because I think I mean, the direction you got from—I mean, I told you before—the direction you got from Mary, it felt like you took like what she said because all the notes she gave you. When I heard the performance, I'm like, "Oh, he's actually doing exactly what she said." When she you were doing certain parts, yeah, she but I'm like, most people can't take good directions though. That's what I mean. Like when I watch those shows, a lot of them like, "Yeah, but I'm gonna do it my way." But you actually took what she said and actually applied it. Well, because she understood my voice and my and what I was doing, you know, and I there was there was other there was other uh mentors on there that I will not name that just wasn't really mm. right. it, it were more industry business folks and really not paying attention to what I do and trying to mm -hmm. amplify what I do. Granted, I wasn't amazing, 
forget I was a kid. I was still figuring right. my, my shit out, but um, but yeah, nah, I didn't think I was the best. And also, same thing with you, like like how you said, um, my my song choices, and I was I was really stuck. I was like, no, I'm singing Eric Benet. No, I'm singing right. Reason. I'm singing like I'm not gonna do September. I'm singing Reasons. I'm gonna do I mm-hmm. Like It by Marge. I'm gonna do these songs that mm-hmm. I know I could kill. And the few ones that I was just like, this ain't me. It showed. You know, it, mm. it just it didn't sound right. And the producers didn't like that I wasn't picking the same songs you hear every damn, you yeah. know what I mean? Every competition. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I want to sing these. I got right. these. Let's, I'm going to sing this. I Let's like that it. you did that, though, because you stood out. That's what I'm saying. It's like you actually stood out. That's why it's memorable. Mind you, how many seasons have been in that damn show? I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, besides... The early, the the classic ones with Fantasia and Jennifer, like I vague, but I vaguely remember theirs. But your performances, I like you named all my favorite songs. I remember your yours stood out. So I think even though you're young, it's just the fact that you picked those songs, and it's such a high caliber of taste for somebody your age that was on that show. And then the reason why I said you should have won, just compared to who. Was in the top two. I mean, I mean, it was a good season, but the ones that they picked, I was like, you know, you blew them out the water to me. But that's just, I mean, just in terms of the vocal skill, just the vocal skill alone, you blew everybody out the water, even though you were young. That's my take on it. But, but yeah, I get you. But you, but your season stood out though. My season, we had amazing singers on my season. I mean, you know, and maybe I'm just being biased, and and, and but. And not only because they're they're good friends of mine, but we had we had amazing singers. You know what I mean? And it, it mm-hmm. was it was I was I'm I'm just very humbled and proud to be a part of that collection of of artistry. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, right. oh, I was a part of this, and if I was gonna get cut, I'm glad I got cut around this. You know, yeah. uh, Elise Testone, uh, uh, Erica Van Pelt, uh, Joshua Ledet, Jessica Sanchez. Mm. Like, oh these yeah, are amazing mm-hmm. singers singers um yeah. you know even outside the genre that i do like even the winner phil phillips great artist just a great mm. artist the older i get colton dixon uh, he june han we had we had amazing singers um and artists on on my um holly cavanaugh uh anyway oh, yeah. just want to give just going to give love to them because man if they're they're amazing and i learned so much from them because uh, again, I'm, this this was my first kind of introduction and my first kind of uh, stab at singing non Hawaiian music. I kind of just got thrown on the mm. show. My mom was like, "You're gonna do this damn show." So I was like, <laughs> All right, "Cool." I mean, you know, I didn't really want to, but it just, you know, and I'm glad she did it. She made me do it. Yeah, I forgot about Joshua too. Joshua was killing too. He did. What was it? James Brown. That one James stood Brown. out when he did that one. Oh, he killed that one. But yeah, I think you and him was a standout. I don't think I, yeah, it's like, you know, after a while, it's like when you watch these shows and no diss to the rest of them, it's like, you know, when my favorite don't win, I just stop watching. <laughs> it may be the petty side of it. It's like, it's like, I, that's who I wanted to win. Uh-uh, I ain't watching it no more. I think I was more invested when I was a kid because when you, because I was like in high school when uh, Fantasia, like that was. And that was must see TV when uh, they were the bottom three, Jennifer and 
Fantasia Latoya. I was like, who did this? I was like, what is going on? But yeah, that was that was made for TV right there. If you if you missed it, you missed it. But yeah, that was a good time. But uh, you did fantastic on there. I I still can't believe you were that young. I don't know. I thought you was like I thought you was at least seventeen or close to eighteen. I didn't realize you were that young. You did that. That's crazy. I turned, I turned seventeen halfway through the show. Okay, that's what it was. Because I remember when they were asking you, and you were like, "Yeah, I'm 17. I was like, "Oh yeah," but yeah. wow, that's probably like a whole lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah, that's a while ago. Shoot. Yeah, a long time ago. But I know you learned so much from that. But just I know you go from that. So teenage years, um, when you wanted to start doing it professionally, what was that journey like for you? Um. It was um, it was hard. It, it it was hard because I had really nobody to kind of tell me the real of it. Granted, mm-hmm. I I I came off of a show super young, so I'm glad I got to do two seasons because I kind of I kind of got to know what the film reality you know industry was off the bat. I think that's why mm-hmm. my attitude on the second time was not even my attitude, but just my perception going in the second time of that show was better because I'm like, cool, this is a TV oh, yeah. show. Ain't mm-hmm. really much about singing. You got to be able to sing, but it's a TV show. So mm-hmm. I'm going to get to where I need to get. All, all, all I wanted was to get to top 10. I got to number eight. Mm-hmm. But like, my mm-hmm. thing is, give me top 10. I want to go on the tour and collect my coin and keep it moving. That was mm-hmm. my goal. I didn't really need to win. I didn't care. Uh, because again, that just wasn't a thing, and people can say say what they want, but to me, that was enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was chilling. Um, mm-hmm. But after the fact, because you get the fame so quick, it goes even quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, so navigating that emotionally, and then realizing you are under contract and you can't do nothing, even if oh, you wanted yeah. to, they ain't gonna let you do shit. Uh, I didn't really know what to do, so mm. it was it was kind of hard. I did like little random shows as much as I could. I started gigging again because they weren't they weren't elaborate, you know, bars and whatevers. And then I, you know, I was like excited to go to college, so I got up and moved from the Bay. Came came to Hawaii here. I'm in Hawaii right now. I've advocated mm. this whole day. um nice um uh. Came to here, came to Hawaii. Um, went to college, started doing gigs. Worked, you know, worked and worked. Uh, I worked at a cafe. Was teaching ukulele and voice at a, at a little private school for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was dancing and singing in the luau shows because again, my I started my my performance journey with Hawaiian music and on dancing hula mm-hmm. and stuff. Um. So yeah, I was doing that for years and just kind of like I got to a point where like, all right, cool. I started writing my own music and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do what my life is happening right now. It's too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the turning point there was I I fell asleep behind the wheel and totaled my car because I was just I was overworked. I don't like being in debt. So I didn't take mm-hmm. out no loan for 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 college. So I again I had I had three jobs trying mm-hmm. to get, you know, make it happen. And I was just like, yo, I'm I'm tired. I can't do this no more. I don't want to do it. Um, started writing my own music. And um, 
Trying to really kind of figure it out. Sorry, I have really went off topic here. My bad. It was you're fine. It, you're flowing. It was hard. No, no, you're right on topic. Okay, cool. It was just hard because I didn't know. I had to figure it out, and I think I, it's a blessing that I was so young trying to start it that I had enough time to 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 make the mistakes, you know, and, mm-hmm. and pull myself back up. Um, no matter how old you are, I don't matter. You know, if you're talented, you're talented. But I think it was just nice that I was young enough and green enough and determined enough to be like, cool, this didn't work. Let's try something else. And or at the end of the day, I'm still gigging. You know, mm. I know friends that, you know, were came off the show or whatever. And they were just they just didn't do it because mm. they were like, I came here. So I need to be here. And that's not real. My thing is, I came mm. off the show. That's just what it is. So now I got to go back to doing this again. Yeah, you know, or I gotta go back to to seeing little bars where there's two people, or doing the yeah. clubs and no one's listening. But that's just what it is. At the end of the day, to me, it was like, cool, I'm singing, and I'm making a check. May not be much, but I'm singing, and that's just what right. it is. And I'm I'm grateful for that. Um, and then I moved to Australia, <laughs> and then mm. just started started just to do um music full time there, and that's kind of really really it really started um kicking off there in, in Australia. Man, it's got when I talk to a lot of guests is it's moments that happen. I call them mirror moments. And when I tell you what you just described is a mirror moment because I literally went through the same thing. It was like I and what I discovered through therapy, which I didn't know this till I was like in my late twenties, that like cause I was the same way, like, you know, just doing gigs nonstop and it was like you go from because I used to intern for Foxhole uh for Jamie Fox on his uh, and I moved up to assistant program director and I was a studio session musician in between there and got a publishing deal and it's like and then when stuff happened to where I had to put my two week notice in because I noticed like oh this show the shows that I'm doing they're canceling the shows and then it just ended up being one show and then at the time, which is weird, during the writers and actor strike, I was working on film scores, and then Hollywood shut down, and then it was like, oh yeah, they can't do this. And so I ended up moving back home in Oklahoma, and then it was just like, like you, just taking up gigs and just taking up as many as I could. And it was like, you go from working for an A-list, because at the time, he had just won the Oscar, and the radio show was doing great. And so up there, that's where you're at, and then you go back down because you're experiencing exactly. all that stuff. And then, I, like you did, I was doing nursing homes. I was doing, <laughs> I was doing anything, anything that could pay. That's what I was doing. But that's a mirror moment because I had a, a car accident that, like, it completely just shook me up. And but it, then it made me realize that I need to be more purpose driven. And once I that car accident. I had it completely changed me to where it was like, okay, I need to focus on that. And my next question, experiencing that, I don't want to get too deep into it. If it's too much, you know, you ain't got to go that way. But I think it's important to highlight this. Was there like a realization of your purpose when when that accident happened? Or was it a clear path you understanding what your purpose was when that happened? No, I. I would say not in that moment. I think in that moment, it was more of what what I'm doing now is not it. 
okay. it's not what I was meant to do. Mm-hmm. Um, this is I'm, I'm I am struggling to be comfortable, mm-hmm. and I'm not happy. And I was too young to be complacent. Um, mm-hmm. and everybody is too young. You could be 90 years old, too young to be complacent. Mm-hmm. You should you should be excited. You should be challenged. Even if it's an everyday, like you worked for it, you, there's there, you have to wake up with a sense of yes, and I didn't get that mm. with the sense of you know yeah of, of mm. sureness, and it wasn't yeah, I wasn't getting that. Um, it wasn't until I moved to Australia. I moved there because I started writing my own music and I started recording it here. And I had a conversation with my good friend Isaac, and he's like, "Why are you recording it here?" He was like, are you recording it? Oh, here in, in Hawaii. I'm in Hawaii mm-hmm. right now. Um, yeah. uh, he's like, why are you recording it here? Are you recording it here because it's convenient? Or because this is where you are drawn to, to, to you know, start laying it down? I said, well, I, I live here. He said, well, that's not good enough. I said, you're right. right. Where's there's the one place you felt inspired? And I, I did some random shows. Um, out in Australia, I had a promoter, a promoter that called me out to do, you know, some shows, and I was singing covers at that time. I was t- again taking whatever, mm. whatever gig my way, I'm taking. Let's let's like get it moving. Um, and I did a random show in Melbourne, and I w- I fell in love with it. Like when I tell you their their pop, their popular music scene is so R and B jazz. Mm, I yeah, to, I didn't have to explain or try to sell what I did. They bought it. Yes. Off the I got up there. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to. I didn't have to mm-hmm. oversing. I didn't have to like do a, a whatever mm-hmm. covers for them to enjoy it. They just got what I did, and I was mm-hmm. like, I want to be there. I want to be surrounded by people that have that same ear for me, but also I don't really know anybody. I want to be challenged, so I just mm-hmm. got the hell up left. Mm-hmm. Saved up money for a couple months and got up and left and moved to um Australia to start recording my own music and started doing open mics you know and singing and because I don't believe in telling everybody that I'm a singer my thing is I will sing for you and let my talent do the speaking if you don't like it, you don't like it but if it speaks to you then we can keep it moving and then mm-hmm. we'll go from there I don't like being like I sing can you do this nah let me just give you what I got so I, mm. you know, and, and started doing being a, a musician full time there, started picking up folks and being like, you're a great guitarist, you're a great singer, you're great this and workshopping people and ended up doing my music. And then once I started performing my original stuff and seeing how it was moving people and being mm. like, yo, I got people like that song that you did helped me through my divorce. That song helped, you know, it helped me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really got me through this hard time. I got a message from from this this woman said my my her spouse and her mother were murdered randomly. Wow. And it, that song kind of just kept me at peace. It got my mind off of it. It uh, the song that I, a song that I wrote, and that was like, oh, this is my purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that, that moment is that's when I was like, I I kind of strayed away from a dream. And kind of started uh, redirecting myself to a purpose. What what is what is my purpose here? And I feel like for most anybody is to make a difference, is to make a is to make a, a positive impact. And that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be happy, but make an make an impact on people 
in a, in a positive way. Um, mm -hmm. And I felt I was doing that through my music, through my song. And I, I know singing was my gift, but I just felt like I was, it felt right doing it to my own creation, to my own, you know, um, you know what I mean? To, to my, own, to my own, yeah, thank you. To my own stories, mm -hmm. my own voice. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's kind of when I was really like, all right, this is something I need to be doing. That's my purpose. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That actually fits in there too. I think it's always that that wonderment when you're like, what? It, it's like because musicians deal with that too. Because they just aim. We just aimlessly take gigs because they. It's, it's a lot of them inspiring musicians. They always writing to me, emailing me like, how do I get on? How do I get a gig? And it's like, well, you're just aimlessly doing stuff. What kind of musician do you want to be? I think it's the same with artists. Like, do you want to be a back end vocalist? Do you want to? You know, do you want to do corporate gigs? Do you want to, you know, do weddings only? Do you want to be a, a touring artist and yeah. musician? Do you want to be a studio session? Because you can just make money doing that. And, you know, corporate yeah. gigs. Do you just want to do corporate gigs where you do award shows or, uh, you know? And I think once all this stuff, like what you were saying, I relate to that because it's like you kind of got to hone in. I think what you did going to Australia, just honing in and just taking it seriously. and from that jump from Australia, what what was that? Did you get in steam? Was that when you did your your first project, or was it? Uh, when when was that time period when you when your first project came about? How many years was it from that from Australia to your first one? Um, it was. I, I recorded it in Australia, so it was about two years. It was two years for okay. me to, to make it. Everything was written already. Okay, um, but it, it cost money. <laughs> it cost okay. money, and I did, right. I did it independent you know and not like how the kids say it now like i'm an independent artist and they got a yeah. team and they got these people i did it independent <laughs> right I Just money yeah, yeah i wrote i wrote every chord it was me and the guitar i wrote every chord every arrangement every everything i hired musicians i didn't get i didn't get i didn't get old boy down the street to make me a beat i hired musicians <laughs> right to play what i composed Mm -hmm. And we did it down, you know, and did a couple of takes. I, I mixed it. I, you know, chopped and screwed everything, did all the comps. Um, it took time. I didn't realize how long. I didn't think it was going to take that long because like, cool, I wrote everything, get the band, mm -hmm. lay it down and keep moving. And I, no, it took time and I had to pay everybody. Um, and yeah. then I was like, cool, well, I got to pay for the mixing, you know, or for the studio, which wasn't really, I would just rent because I would. Shout out to, mm -hmm. to Julian Steele and, and Mama Steele. I was we recorded it in the attic. When I talk about blankets and some and some fly boards, mm -hmm. like we recorded that whole thing in there. Um, and it was fine, it was great. Um, but it's just it took time and money and and things that I didn't even realize I I needed to set up my own publishing company. I had to set up my own, you know what I mean, distribution mm -hmm. company. It, it took there was a lot. I did everything on my own. I didn't have a team. I didn't have, a, you know, wardrobe, PR, none of that. Mm -hmm. um, same with the pictures and the making hard copies because at that time the CDs were somewhat still a thing. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It took it took about two years for me to to get that project completely done, and then even after that, it was like cool. And I was only there for 
my visa was only two years because I was there for a travel working travel visa. Okay. Um, and then I came back to Hawaii. I had no money. I, like I had no money. <laughs> I had this project that was done, but I had no money. So I was lucky enough to have like friends. I was surfing couches a couple nights. Then I had my car. I'd go mm. sleep at the beach. I, you know, mm. I paid for a little storage that was like $40 a month. And, and my $20 a month, uh, what's that called? Uh, $20 a month storage or gym oh, membership. Okay. That's where I showered. I got ready. Okay. Um, I slept, slept in my car for months. Um, and had no money while I was working, you know, and while I was mm. working and I was like, cool, what's the next thing to do tour this album that I just put out? So I was working, I was making money, but I not enough money to pay rent and to push my shit. So like I always said that to 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 artists and to people that are like trying to do it, see what understand what what the priority is and there's going to have to be sacrifice. So to me is either have a home or go on tour. So right. I had to pay for the band. There was five of us. Um and we did a show, we did a show in uh Yoshi's in, in, in the Bay, which is a big thing for me. Like I sold it out three times, which is really nice. Yeah. In the Bay. Like I've mm-hmm. seen Eric Bay there, you know, like big name folks for me. Um growing yeah. up. So that was an accomplishment for me. Did our sold out a few shows in London. We um opened up for Jasmine Sullivan in Florida, uh sold out a venue in New York. Um here in Hawaii, um, did it big, but mm. I had I again I was independent. I had to pay for everybody's flight, everybody's accommodation. Luckily, like they were my good friends, so like sometimes like all right, we're gonna do this big show over here. I could give you like fifty bucks. I was always in the red, never made money on these shows, but mm. this is what I knew what to do, and I had to get my music out there. You know, and I didn't, I wasn't a big social media person. All I know is get on stage and, and show what you got. So that's right. what I did. My own venues, everything. Um. So, yeah. So, yeah. Man, it's, and, and that was uh, Black Denim, right? Black Denim, yeah. While I was under DeAndre. That's so crazy. Because people don't, it's, I'm good. I'm glad you brought this up. And because... Because people think, because I, I see more of it now, because I was part of other panelists and other platforms where they allowed me to speak on it, and their audience, they act like they have no, they act, well, it's a lot of them on the internet, swear up and down, they know what the artist struggle is, or they they don't even comprehend the levels of what, you're, what you just described, of what it takes to make an artist, and they're just like, oh yeah, put out another album, it's like, did you not hear this one did you even listen to the last project they put out before you're requesting more music and it's like no i just want well check out the first one they put out and then start tracking yeah, it but, exactly. but, even, but yeah like how you, like you was going down like if you want to be a this person or, or you know wedding or a studio my thing is you gotta you gotta put yourself in all the different aspects of that my thing yeah. is how you know, people like how do you make it? You gotta take the gig. You can't think too highly of yourself. My thing is cool. Oh, I'm the, you know, we need a we need a we need an offering plate going on because I tell you, Dre preaching right now. Cause I tell you that's a majority of of the, the 
Well, I tell you, that's majority of musicians problem because they'll do a, a, a big arena tour, right? And that may be your last one for the year, just for people that don't know the experience. If that's your last one, but then they'll go back and do a, a little quaint spot, little lounge or whatever, and they'll not appreciate that gig because, oh, I just did this. But yeah, that was months ago. What are you doing now? But they have the mentality of, oh, I'm not going to give the same energy that I would on the arena tour because this is just, no, every opportunity you play in front of people, that's what I feel. I don't know if it's an old school way of thinking, but I don't care if it's five people or 50,000, you give the same amount of energy like it's that many people in the room, but you just spoke to what the main problem is in the industry. Is that right there, that mentality? Yeah, but and also it with our with our uh profession is like you said, we do this arena tour. That lasted two months out of the whole year. Yeah. You gotta you can't be like, Well, I just did this, I'm no longer nah. You, it's mm-hmm. just that's what it is. You know, until you get to that point of this is all I do and I'm making money like this, you mm-hmm. know, then it, it, that takes time. Yeah, you know, that takes it takes work. My thing is, I put in, I put in that work. I've been gigging since twelve. I'm still doing that. I'll do, you know, I, like a big show, my own shit. I'll, I'll sell out my own theaters. I'm still singing in weddings. I'm still, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they're higher paying weddings. Oh, for sure. Know, oh, I get you. I get you. <laughs> you know, I, you know I'll, yeah. I'll make sure I'm, I'm, I'm rising, but I'm not too proud and I'm not too good to, to come back to what I started from. Right, because at the end of the day, I'm I'm still, I'm still paying my dues. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's still, you still need to keep it in practice. You still need to kind of sit in that appreciation of I'm I'm making money as a musician, and you got you got to do that. You can't just and I see a lot of us us TV show kids and and people, we come from this high like oh we're famous we got this we got this recognition. Mm-hmm. And we expect everything just to keep ascending. That's not the case. It, right. There's peaks and valleys in, in, in all of it. Um, I will never back down on, on a check. You know, granted, the mm-hmm. older I get, the more I do it. I'm not going to do no $20. Oh, you yeah, know, I'm not doing $100 anymore because I've, I've, exactly. I've passed that. But I've done years of that. So I mm-hmm. feel like I, I'm entitled to that because I've, I've put it in. But at the end of the day, I will take a gig. Mm-hmm. I'm not too good for a gig, and I'm not too good for for um, any stage or any situation. I have mm-hmm. something to share, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to I'm going to put myself in that in that position because I'm a musician, and that's just what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's just that's 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 a, like the main problem with with some of the some of the kids. I'd say it's just y'all don't. You expect you expect the highest form of, of of praise in the sense, but you're not willing to to work your way up to it. Yeah, that's mostly. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I see it every day. And then think being a musical director, how I moved up, and it's crazy you said that. It's like you know, being a musical director, I was a pay for hire for damn near almost eight years being a professional musician. As soon as I moved up, I started seeing, and then being a publication owner. It's like, oh, now it switches up. Now you're in different conversations. Now you're getting invited to certain uh, listening parties. I'm like, wasn't that before? But then you start noticing musicians like 
they just want to be assimilated. They just want to be close to you because you connected to such and such. And it's not, you kind of see that too. And musicians kind of get the, I, I, I didn't understand it at first why musicians, because musicians, they, I, we just weird. They like praising other musicians. It's like they have their own <laughs> cocoon of just, like, I think Dallas Austin uh, was, he had uh, said a story about uh, Michael Meaton, Michael Jackson, and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And how he beelined for Michael just to get to Jimmy Jam, <laughs> Jimmy Jam and Terry, because that's his influences. But it's like that's how they think. It's like it kind of prioritized musicians over artists, and that's where I think the disrespect, the disconnect with singers and musicians, because they don't really appreciate the gig until you know they they can't get another one, basically. <laughs> they so, can't get another one. exactly right. But yeah, you, you said that perfectly. Before I get to, because I want to talk about the black denim, because I told you before when I interviewed you, like, yeah. whew, it, that, 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 that was, I think, still a lasting impression that I feel like it's made the hard work you put. I'm going to get into that. But before that, like what you were just saying, doing all the gigs you're doing, in this point in your career now, um, is there anything in terms of, uh, your decision making to where you have to realize if something is a uh, or having the uh, the knowledge and the wisdom uh, to go forth in your career if something is a inconvenience or opportunity. Yes and no. I have I have a lot of patience. I I could tell when things are. I could I could not everything is is is. An inconvenience. There's some where it's just like at this point, I I've moved up from that. Like I right. said, I'm not doing twenty dollar gigs anymore, mm -hmm. or I'm not even a hundred dollar gigs for the most part. I'm like I'm not going out my way to do that. Um, mm -hmm. I've done it for eight plus years. Um, mm -hmm. This is my this is my business, and and I'm fortunate enough to make enough money um, mm -hmm. to where I, you know I, I don't need to do those anymore. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we're like, who I don't, there's little things that I, I could see where this is just not a necessity for me anymore. That's an inconvenience. Mm -hmm. Cause now I'm, now I'm going backwards. Um, yeah. But there are some times, cause I do believe you have to put yourself in an uncomfortable position to grow and to, to move forward, not only in your art, but in your, your perception of life, in your career, in your relationship, with yourself, with mm -hmm. your partner, with whoever. So there's some things that may not be your cup of tea that may not be the thing that you really want to do, but you got to do it. Um, mm -hmm. so there's, there's that little gray area of where I'm still figuring it out. And sometimes I sit in that trying it out too long versus mm -hmm. trying it maybe one or two times and being like, this ain't it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I'm still going back and forth with that. I just recently signed with, uh, well, not even recently, I, I, years ago, signed with Sierra and Russell. And I mm -hmm. got to, again, I put my, knowingly put myself in that position to like, cool, let's try some different sounds. You know, mm -hmm. you think of Sierra, you look at Sierra's music and you go to Black, Black Denim. Like when they signed me, it's like right after I put that album out. Um, mm -hmm. that it's two different artists. Mm -hmm. So, oh, let's try, let me try to push to something bigger than just me. 
Let me do something bigger than what I could just do by myself. Because the black denim was just, it was me. Um, mm. And I wanted, to, I wanted to reach a larger audience. I wanted to kind of push myself as an artist and try different things. So it, we, we tried things for years. Because I, I signed with them about almost, um, about four and a half years, four years and some change ago. And just mm, started putting yeah. it out this year. Um, and I think, I don't regret it because I needed to try it. But at the end of the day, after, again, one or two tries of that, of this right here, and it's not working, it's, it's that's it. I don't, this don't feel right. This doesn't feel like me. On to the next. Mm-hmm. And or, you know, because all I really know how to do is Dre. Like, that, that's that's all I really mm-hmm. kind of authentically really know how to do with um with confidence. And I, I could I could say that with my chest. Like I I know how to do me. Like this, mm-hmm. the music that I write, I am confident in. I love what I write. I love what I create. Um with that being said, there's always room for growth and other people's collaborations. So I just think uh yeah I'm still I'm I just got to that point. It took a few years to where I'll try it because I, I, you need to try things. I'll try it, but I just don't let it linger as long as I mm-hmm. was doing. Because yeah, because I was letting it linger too much or really over trying it. And when I already knew from the jump, I didn't like it. So yeah, <laughs> my nice little eight minute <laughs> response for a simple. You're fine. Oh my god, great! You're absolutely perfect, man. Don't don't worry about that. I'm literally following everything you're saying, and you're doing fantastic. You answered you answered it perfectly, and transitioned. Like we talked about the album, we talked about the hard work because I know just listen, just the experience of being a musician. I know putting stuff out of pocket when you got it charging. You're the one charging budget. It's a lot of listen. People and then you got to deal with. I'm sure you had to deal with, you know, people not showing up and doing what they're supposed to do. When you gotta, <laughs> yep. you gotta get the ball going on stuff. You know, people don't understand that's a. And it's not that you're complaining. I, I get it because it's like when you're the one putting up the money. You know, it's it's a lot more. You know, you're a lot more invested than the person that's just showing up to work. But if they, you know, well, I definitely understand that. But get into your album though, the art of black denim. Told you before. I'm so glad that you're that uh, the the single that you did now, Feelings, was acoustic. But this one right here, that whole album, I could take that any if you reprised it in any kind of way, I would take it because I think it's just musically just ascending in so many different ways in terms of how you approach the the lyrics, the the sonically how it sounded, the instrumentation use usage on it with the the artists and musicians that you use. Just the instrumentation, I loved it, and your background vocals. Like I said, I told you before, you know, tweet that the, the it gave me all of those influences that you're influenced. It gave me all of that, and then a little bit of Patty too. I heard a little bit of a not not too much of it, but you you just have an established sound. Like when I hear Dre, I hear you. Like when I hear your records, it's, I feel like you. And in the record that you put out, I'm like, this is so you. I feel like from your first album to where you're at now because we're going to talk about feelings because it, it it was all over the internet it was everywhere dre i don't know if you're aware of this of your own record but everybody and it's in the right hands i feel like how it went viral because it was every i tell you it was everywhere it was on twitter it's twitter don't even 
Twitter is like so lackadaisical when it comes to music. And so but it's like, look, at this right there, it had like over half a million views on, on Twitter. But yeah, it's just that record, I think because of the lyrical content, but just your, your first album, I just want to tell you all your hard work is appreciated and I love it. It's still, still people talk about it on the internet. Uh, people that know real music, they talk about it. And I may do, I'm probably gonna do a write up on it again and do like an aging, like fine wine piece on it. Cause it, it definitely deserves more love. But the, the, the new single from your transitioning from your first piece to this, is it a continuous thing in terms of just giving that vibe with feelings? Is it, it what's, what's the direction going forward with the, with the new project that you're about to put out? So this, this, this new project is again, it's a new era of, of me. Um, there's not, there's probably, there's only like one, well, two, there's two, but I'd say one, one track on that whole, uh, on the whole project that is completely mine. Um, mm -hmm. as far as like chords and, you know, I wrote from scratch. Um, mm -hmm. this, I, I've, I worked with a producer. This is my first time ever collaborating with anybody. Um, okay. Again, I, I got, uh, uh, signed with Sierra, so we, you know, worked worked mm -hmm. with a great producer. His name's Ness, um, Nessicito. He's the best. Uh, not the he's the best. He's just cool, cool mm -hmm. dude, and super easy because we we worked with pl plenty of of producers, and he's he's the only one that kind of just kind of let me be, mm -hmm. and kind of just like uh, collaborative in the sense of this is what I'm hearing. Can you make it sound like this? And or mm -hmm. here's something that you know in the same way. Here's what here's something I got. Let's stick with this or let's stick with this pocket. Cool. And it, it was mm -hmm. it was a conversation versus here's this, figure it out type of. I, I'm not a mad lib writer. Mm -hmm. I can't really just like here's the here's a here's a beat and sing to it. It's hard for me. I'm so used mm -hmm. to curating it from scratch. Um. So, uh, shout out to Ness. Mo the, the majority of this mm -hmm. whole. Album is his nest, and he worked with the Snow Allegra, uh, Bryson Tiller. Yeah. Like he did all, mm -hmm. all them. Um, he's great. So feelings uh, was co-written with uh, this amazing guy Marcus. Oh, forgot his last name, but he helped write uh, like I want you around, and a good portion of, of Snow. Okay. Stuff. Um, and along with Sierra, that was my first collaborative uh, session. It was me, Marcus, yeah. and Sierra. Um, in a room, um, writing writing feelings. We wrote it. We wrote that about about four years ago. Um, it's not new. We wrote it about four years ago. Um, which was it was such a weird experience because I'm not used to being vulnerable in front of folks. Um, and for the most okay. part, I didn't I didn't have too much of the writing. I can't. I don't. I don't, don't want to take too much credit for it. Um, it was more of a concept of this is what I'm feeling you know, switching words around, switching like a few lines to make it feel more like me, um, mm. even melod melodically switching uh, more and more production wise um, was me. Um, but I can't take too much credit for, for lyrics on that one. Mm. Um, but this is my first, this, this project is, is so different because I, like, again, I'm so used to writing everything and doing everything myself. So I've, I've gotten to, to write with amazing writers, um, Sebastian Cole, who I don't know if you you do, and if you ever been oh. on your notes, that fool is ridiculous. Yeah. My last yeah. single, I 
Yeah, the, my last thing. So Britney B and Sebastian Cole, my last single that I just put out, A Million Shades of Grey, we wrote. Um, and that was a mind-blowing experience. It was so much fun because mm-hmm. it was like cool, like it was strictly like collaborative. Like I wrote this part, he wrote the, he wrote the hook in like two seconds. And I was like, cool, I'm, I handle the 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 verses and Britney did the pre-hooks. Anyway, um all that to say, this this new project is is so collaborative. It's very different for me, and it's it's a new new field and in a, in a new kind of, I guess, journey and sound. Um, even even in the tracks, the tracks are really cool because that's the first time I've ever written to a beat, first time I ever like wrote something and literally recorded it in that moment. All mm-hmm. black denim, I wrote and we gigged it, like we workshopped them. I wrote it, mm-hmm. you know, showed the girls, did the um for you know my, my boy Evan with the guitar, uh and Jembe, mm-hmm. we went we went out and sang it and I kind of like I workshopped things, I tried things, and then I went in and recorded it. I knew what I wanted. These were so different. Um, because even like singing it live now, I tried to do like feelings. The first time I ever sang it live, I hated it. I absolutely hated wow. it. Wow. <laughs> I hated it. It wow. sounded so bad. It sounded so bad. <laughs> Um, it just didn't, it didn't work live, how it verbatim from the track. So I was like, nah, I can't do it like the track. And then the live video came out. That's more how I would have done it Mm. completely like Dre. You know what I mean? If I had, if I had control of the song from the jump, that live version, the the viral one, that's kind of how I would have done it from the get. Um, that's just me. I'm a live singer. I don't really, mm-hmm. you know, that's just what I grew up doing. Um, but yeah, and that that it's just it's a new journey. It's very very mm-hmm. new. Um, so I'm I'm glad that people are receiving it well, and I'm glad I I get the opportunity to put out the lives too. Um, just so you could still get a sense of me, but I'm also drawing in a a bigger crowd as well. With mm-hmm. you know the more simpler mainstream sound that the tracks are given which is what i wanted to do with c is it is his name is it marcus samaj yes or it's, it's two different names marcus samaj and marcus james is it is it is that a different name oh, no. writer name marcus, under marcus james okay i must say they got two different names on here i didn't know if it was two different people named marcus or if that was his uh writer name okay yeah. Yeah, I want you around. That's definitely the jam. I think under Sony, right? Sony Music. Uh, listen, I and and you're kind of transitioning uh, perfectly to my my next questions in terms of live because I feel like with everything, that's pretty much where the currency is when it comes to being in a, in this music industry. Like, of course, you know, we could talk about you know the issues with streaming. You know what's so crazy is I told them this back in 2012 that this was that stream. They didn't take streaming. The record executives at these labels didn't take streaming seriously. Like, oh no, it's going to be a fad. And now it's like now they're struggling to get their artists paid. And me too, because I just was a part of a, a album under a Warner Music, and you know it's over a million streams, and it's like <laughs> maybe get two dollars from it. <laughs> It was nominated for uh, nominated for a Grammy for next year, and it's like, oh yeah, but <laughs> like we can get get two dollars and twenty nine cents on on Spotify. <laughs> no, same. I own yeah. everything for, for Black Denim because I, I I wrote everything for Black Denim. 
chords, arrangements, everything. Again, I pay um, for hire. A producer, yeah. I own everything, and I don't make much money. And it over a couple million views on, on I mean, streams and stuff on it. Yeah, know, for sure. I, I don't make that much money off of that. I make yeah, a it's crazy. Thousand, maybe a couple thousand. Mm-hmm. Not much. And yeah, and I mean, I and all respect to songwriters because I know a lot of songwriters. That's that's primarily their job, and producers, uh, primarily their job of, um, you know, just solely working in the studio, but. I've always learned how to pivot and being on the road. The next question I was going to ask you in terms of being on the road, and I know you shot black, and, and that's the great thing that you actually have a catalog that you can actually tour off of. And, you know, people think, you know, you have to have, and but they don't understand, like, that's how hit records happen is on the road. Like, the Lizzo, yes. she was doing, like, like when I tell people, I've seen these people, like, move up. I've seen Lizzo's. I've seen Anderson Pack. They were working these records in 2013, 2012, way before they became hit on the record and them constantly being on the road, that's what made it a hit record. And people don't understand the value of touring and these newer yeah. artists. And they're saying the, that the, the veteran artists are actually outselling the newer performers. And it's because their stage, it's a lack of stage presence and a lack of, that's what it is. All they need is somebody, and it's not even in a negative way because you got to start from somewhere, but they got to have the tutelage to understand how to work a crowd. And if somebody's paying their money to see you, you got to learn how to. But I feel like your records, you have enough catalog and a body of work to where you can create a set list that could be in not just um, lounges. Like I can actually hear you performing these at theaters on certain tours with certain artists. What, what's that next step for you in terms of this? Because I, I get it, but in terms of moving up like in theaters, what, what, what are you visually looking forward to in terms of performing these live and giving that experience to your audience? What, what's that journey like in terms of your live experience uh, shifting? Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of that. That's the goal for next year. So next year we already have um, a list of, of theaters and like clubs and stuff that I'm, I'm just booking. You know, I just, mm -hmm. um, you know, even with even with being signed, I still have that um, independent mentality. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I can't expect Sierra to do it for me. Mm -hmm. You know, would love the help, but I can't expect her to do it for me. Um, so I have to. I gotta. You know, I'm just gonna book it and whatever she, whatever else she has in store for me, we're gonna do it. But mm -hmm. um. I've already started reaching out. So we got like New York, Atlanta, LA, um, Detroit, Nashville, Whew. uh, Bay Area. We got we already been looking out uh, for things um summer next year or end of spring and then summer next year. Um mm -hmm. and then January we'll we'll put out the tour dates and stuff. But uh um, okay. yeah. Um, so that's just kind of where I'm going. I, I want to do that. I'm, you know, the next step for me realistically is trying to get, get on a, get on a, a festival or two, you know, like a mm. Blue Note festival or, you know, yeah. one of them, you know, I don't mind, put me at the bottom of the docket. I would just like to be on that stage. Cause like, again, I, that's what I know. That's what I'm confident mm. in. I know I could sing, you know, I'm not better than anybody, but ain't nobody better than me. Um, mm. so I just I want to I want to share that and I'm I'm confident in my live singing. I feel like I'm better live than I am on on the track. Um so mm -hmm. I just want to want to put that out. 
and that's kind of mm-hmm. what the goal for next year and that's that's what the move is is what we're moving towards is getting up on the stage now and, uh, and that's what in terms of your um because that's what it is it's that and i think it's mostly just endurance for artists in terms of being on the road what's that like for you in terms of just the preparation for tour and is there any like you know do you have any like I guess, uh, what's the word I want to use? Not apprehensive about it, about being on the road, but is there any like, uh, just anything that you keep in mind before you get ready to go on tour and then afterwards, do you have like a certain regimen that you keep up with before and after you get ready to tour? Um, n- no, cause I don't like, I, as bad as that sounds, I don't want to be over-prepared because I, I enjoy spontaneity. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it. Number one, it's fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not enjoying myself, and nobody else gonna really like the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy the spontaneity, and I also want it to be a new experience for not only for me but for each person that's there. You know, whether mm-hmm. you come in to see me at this city and and you fly out to the next one, it's gonna be. Maybe the same set, but it's going to be a different experience. It's going to be a different um, interpretation that night, depending on how I feel and, you know, depending on how my voice is. You know, there's certain things mm-hmm. like when I am on tour and like the traveling, it takes a toll on my voice, depending on, especially depending on what I'm singing. Um, I can't, I can't speak like after, if I have a back-to-back show, I can't speak during the day. Um, I can't go out and drink. I can't, you know, there's certain things I can't eat and I got, I got to make sure I sleep. I have to force myself to sleep. There's certain Mm -hmm. things I got to do to kind of bring myself down from the, the um, adrenaline from a show. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like to be messed with. I don't like, you know, even like I'll be out with my friends (laughs) on stage and after the show, like they'll go out. I need to go home. Even if we're sharing Mm. a room, like, I, like respectfully, please, um, not don't talk to me, but, but just let me, let right. me kind of decompress and let me be. Mm-hmm. My voice is tired. I do a lot of heavy singing. Um, I'll be fine the next day. I just need to. I need to rest. Mm-hmm. I, like a sleep is such a big thing, you know. Even outside of performing and being a singer, folks gotta sleep. Um, you overwork mm-hmm. yourself. A lot of times you can't keep up because you can't sleep. You're not letting your body rest and, and and so it's just as important as eating and drinking you gotta rest mm-hmm. um so that's just i think that's that's a really big thing for me when i when i do multiple tours and even like this year i may not have been touring my own stuff but I, i've been working i've been doing these mm-hmm. wedding gigs doing these private gigs i've been and it's been i've been on a plane mm-hmm. every other week um it's a lot and I, mm-hmm. I just gotta rest being in a time zone every you know every other week um but yeah, that's that's kind of like my my uh, my regimen in a sense is just it's it's a leave me alone and let me sit down situation. That's so intriguing because I'm total opposite. I'm kinda, I kind of I I do it the opposite way. Uh, like I don't want to be talked to before the show. Like I want to just zone out and I listen to music before it's it's time for the. Even sound check, I, I just want to be left alone. But when it's showtime, it's like I, I just want to focus. But then afterwards, I'm I'm lively. Okay, we can do this for <laughs> we can talk for another three four hours. But I think it's different because you're a vocalist. But 
but I, it's, it's it's so it's interesting you say that because so many artists are different. They're they don't want to be bothered before the show, and then afterwards they're just as bubbly and can go all night talking to people. And but yeah, it, it's what you said. It makes so much sense on how different artists navigate their career and just. I was just intrigued because of like you have to have endurance to do this on the road. And sometimes, you know, I mean, touring, you know, you may be in St. Louis and the next day you're in Detroit and it's like, you know, you may get a certain amount of sleep. I didn't know if you were adjusting it based on the dates. If it, I, I asked that because I didn't know how you adjust it when you only had limited time of rest and you, you sound like you just if you have this minimum time of rest then you're just going to take it, it seems like. Yeah, if it calls for that, you know, because some you know how it is. Sound check, you get in, you might get in that city three, four o'clock in the morning, and so you may get that that maybe six hours or seven hours before sound check, because sound check might be at eleven or twelve yeah. o'clock in the afternoon, and so you gotta go do that. You gotta get a little bit of rest. You just check in at the hotel or whatever. You gotta get ready for sound check. So yeah. it just giving the giving the audience a, a clear picture of what you artists do day in and day out because if you want to do it for a living you know uh live touring this is what it is and i don't i, I just let y'all give the advice and tell y'all stories because you know people don't don't get it unless they hear it from the actual artist and they learn a lot my, my audience they learn a lot because they i just want uh even if you're aspiring if you're not aspiring if you're just a, a fan of music a music lover just it you have to have understanding to get to the appreciation when it's specifically when it comes to music it, i think you can understanding get into appreciation you can put that in different facets of life but specifically with music the lack of understanding that's where the lack of appreciation for music i feel like happens it's because they yes. don't understand the journey and so i make it a specific point with this podcast to highlight anybody's career journey of understanding what it took for them to get there so i think you just did a great job of explaining that and and the only question i have before i play the game with you is with everything i would just say lack of understanding and lack of willingness to try because again that's mm, just my yeah. journey because i know a lot of other like singers that uh smoke like a chimney be up drinking <laughs> do the gig, sing down, be out all night, sleep for 30 minutes, and then give amazing vocal performance. I don't have that. That's just not, that's not something I can do. You know, yeah. that's just, but willing to, again, you got to try everything. You got to, mm -hmm. you have to put yourself in that position. You got to do the raggedy little bar gigs where there's two people mm -hmm. here. You got to do the mm -hmm. club gig where nobody listens and nobody cares. So you know what you could do because it's it's a different vibe. It's a different energy. It's it's it takes a lot out of you. Like it's it seems super glamorous and it is. It's it's a very rewarding um, career. It's a very I wouldn't even say career. It's a, it's a very rewarding life that we get to do. But it's not. Mm -hmm. It's not like oh we're just roaming around. No, I don't like I go to this city that I've never been to. I'm in this hotel room because I gotta sleep. Mm -hmm. I gotta. I gotta and we'll have a good time. My life is, mm -hmm. is social. Got to be social. I don't want to be social at home. I don't like mm -hmm. folks in my apartment. I want to be by mm -hmm. myself. The moment I step off the stage, I want silence. I don't want to hear music. 
I don't want to hear nothing. I need just I need silence for like an hour or two. I don't want to hear nothing. Um, mm-hmm. And I realized that works for me because I have tried every other avenue. So you mm-hmm. gotta have the understanding number one, but also as an artist, if that's where you're gonna be, the willingness to try it so you could have an understanding for everybody's process. Mm-hmm. And on that, and then I'll leave it at there. <laughs> Oh yeah, you said that perfectly. Oh yeah, for sure. It's just, it's just, you know, trying it as well. Yeah, you got to be open minded. Uh, you know, because you can. And I, I, I got to take that advice. You saying that, and I need to take that too. Because you know, you get caught up in getting in your own way sometimes. Of like, oh, it worked for me this way, and it's like, oh, maybe I'm, you know, got to be do a little self reflection of am I getting in my own way of you know yeah. progressing, you know, but. The only thing uh, I'm going to ask before I end it is, well, I say that and I got another question popped in my head. (laughs) With um, your journey right now, is there anything that you haven't crossed off the list yet in terms of this new project? Like I know you said uh, the comfortability performing live, like you've got that and I can see like you, you got that down. Is there any other element of you put not your project or whatever it is that uh, you want to fine tune or just that you're getting uh, in terms of this project. Is it, I, I should ask, is it uh, to your completion and satisfactory or do you, are you tweaking it? Uh, I'm, I'm tweaking it again. Cause it, it's just, it's not, it's not, it's me. Don't get me wrong, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not just mine. I can't claim it. You know, and people, I even had like PR people say, no, it's, it's your song. Like you help write it. Beautiful. I may be a part of it, but it's not like, again, Black Denim was me. Mm-hmm. I can hold that. Again, I say that with my chest. I can hold that. And, you know, to the day I die, I stand by that album because every mm-hmm. single part of that was me. This was a collaborative effort. So it's me learning. I'm still learning how to put myself in the song i'm still learning how to navigate it outside of the studio because i've never i haven't gotten to sing these yet and the couple the one time i tried to do it i really was not happy with it i didn't Mm. like it i got bored with it um but if i you know because it just didn't it didn't it made sense on on the track it didn't make sense live it was boring Mm. um um so it's me. I'm still fine tuning it in that sense. I'm still, I want to broaden my, I guess, stage presence in, in the sense of I would love to add like lighting and uh, mm. uh, um, staging in the sense of like, cool, we're going to do this. As background singers, we're going to do like a little step here. I would love to actually have mm-hmm. time to curate a full show which I've never gotten mm-hmm. to do before because um, I was just never in the mindset of that before. It was like, cool, we're going to, uh, I'm going to work all these jobs and we're going to go up mm-hmm. and again, we're doing small, we're doing jazz clubs. We're doing small mm-hmm. clubs or bars or whatever it may be. Um, so we didn't even have the room for all that. So I would love mm-hmm. to get to where I could get on the stage and actually give a production in the mm-hmm. sense, you know, nothing ain't going to give you, it's not going to be a play. Not gonna be no no, no dancers and, and pyrotechnics. Yeah, yeah. Just like 
you know, to like, cool, we're gonna have a spotlight here, we're gonna have the lighting here, we're gonna we're gonna move as one, you know. I would love to curate a proper show and get a set band and do that. That that's to me is is my next level and that's my next um stepping stone as an artist for for myself. What I would love mm-hmm. to present to people, you know, what I would like to add to 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 the music, you know outside of just sonically i want i want it to be visually something that's um something you could take away mm. you know yeah oh for sure man i'm gonna tell you something off the i'm gonna tell you off the pa- podcast i don't have time to edit <laughs> edit it up there you just said something that made me man it's uh you just made me you just made me i, I love this podcast because i have so many different people that come on here from music directors, creative directors, and everything you're talking about, that's literally what they do for a living. And so, but we go, I'll, talk, I'll tell you, I can get off the podcast, but man, I, the next question I have in terms of, I think, I think is, I think you answered most of it. It, it was just mostly just, uh, I was just kind of harping on the touring because it's just like, I didn't know because everybody, like you said before, you got artists like they could stay up all night and drink and smoke and go on and act like nothing happened. And then you got some that they don't because I know uh, some artists, they got to have the temperature in the room. It can't be over 70 degrees because of their vo- vocals or whatever it has to be. You know, people have their own regimen, how they go about it. But I, I guess just the joy of being on the road. Is there any uh, what, what do you like most about being on the road and, and traveling and touring? Well, with with my experience, I got I was really fortunate to have my friends. You know, I like my my core group of like friends are are musicians, so I got to just I got to travel again. We get to go out of the country, new states, new experience, and I got to I got to to be with my friends. So as of now, it was just nice to have good company on stage and off stage. We go back to like the little hotel room, the little raggedy hotel. We're all smashed up in this, you know, bed and room on the floor or whatever. But it was with good company. We mm. all knew what it was, and I, you know, and I'm fortunate enough to have people, and really good friends, to, that believes in me enough to to endure all that and to just mm. be along for the ride. Um, in in that sense, because that was that's my only experience with my own tour. Mm. Um. So for me, that was that was a that was a highlight, and also getting to getting to hear people's, I guess not reactions, but to to hear people's uh, interpretations of my songs, and what mm. they, what it did, and the impact of what what my songs did. You know, I have a I have a book at home that it's my it's my Grammy book, it's letters, mm. it's poems that I print out. It's of, yo, this song did this for me. This you know, change my life in this way. This helped me, whatever. To me, that's mm-hmm. I. To me, that's validation that I'm doing my mm-hmm. part here in in the world. You know, it may not be in a huge way, but I was. It was impactful for that person's life, mm-hmm. and it's for me. It's impactful because I'm happy doing what I do. You know, so I'm I'm bringing joy both ways, and I I can't ask for more than that. You know, at, at the core of it. 
So I think it, it's nice that it's a very validating feeling when when someone says, hey, your body of work has made an impact on my life. So I think for touring altogether, I, it just kind of makes it worth it when you work on all these raggedy jobs you don't really want to do, you know, and doing all that bullshit that you don't really necessarily want to, but we're doing it because it leads to moments like that. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's what I love most most about tour is that I, I get to have those experiences that I, I get to see other walks of life being moved by what I just randomly wrote in my room because I was feeling some type of way one day mm-hmm. which was nice uh it's this I don't know if you read it uh autobiography uh book of Rick James I think it's called glow he it was profound to me because he was he was in that that struggle like seventies. Uh, he he was working. He had went to Canada when he AWOL from the army during uh, was the Vietnam War. He went to Canada and there he had connected with Bob Dylan, and he did a lot of folk music then. But Bob Dylan was the one who collaborated most. And then uh, he had had a slump because he had seen like like Bob Dylan starting to you know do his thing and he's seen all his peers like just passing him up and he had passages in the book it was uh, certain parts of the the chapters where he was just describing all his musical peers at the time like the doors uh bob dylan just critiquing it in like a musician way saying oh they could be better at this they could do it better than that and he said something in the book that stood out to me and he was just critiquing what he what he looked for in music and he said something that always stuck with me he said I need more funk in my folk and more fire in my rock. And when he said it in that book, it, I don't know why mm-hmm. that in particular, it wasn't even anything because he said so much that was profound. But when he said that in that book, it just, I got it immediately and got, because my interpretation of that is that he needs to feel the music at all times. And so yeah. I was going to ask you, how do you feel music? How does it have to hit you? Oh, that's a good question. I need, I need. It's a, it's a overflow for me. For me, it, it's that, it's that, it's that shaking of the lid when mm. the pot's about to, when the pot is about to, you know, yeah, when the when it's boiling, it's that boiling shaking over. of the lid. When, whether it's tears, whether it's excitement, it's that overflow, and you feel it right here. For me, right, right, right in my in, in my in my chest, in my in my gut, you know, starts starts in the bottom of, of your foot, and it's just kind of there. It's that I gotta feel that overflow, but it's not to where I'm pouring out. It's that moment. It's that moment right before, right before you climax, if you will. That <laughs> does that for me. You right. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what it does it for me, because there's there's times where like, cool, big note, and that's that climax. But when mm-hmm. you could keep me, you could keep me in that where that that lid is just kind of teeter tottering to the point where it may fall off, but it's still it's still keeping it. That to me, that's what I gotta feel. I, that's the only analogy that makes sense to me for music, where I'm mm-hmm. so intrigued. So we're like, I'm sitting watching. I know it may pop off, but 
Mm. It, it's too good to 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 take it to turn it down. Mm. To turn down the Ooh. heat. Yeah. It's right there. I know exactly what you're talking about, man. And I said that was my last one. But it, do do you play uh, musical connect the dots with music? Like like for me, like like when I hear uh, Shaka, like I'll connect like uh, Sarah Vaughn. You know, I I do this like. Yeah dot where i go from like Sarah Vaughan and then next thing you know i'm all the way in the 50s and 40s like just tracking music who how do you connect the musical dots yeah i i do that i, I love hearing i love hearing influence um because everybody has it you know even mm -hmm. someone that you think is the most uh individual but ain't nobody sound like that person you kind of like look it up or hear what you hear an influence and you're like oh that's you have isms of that person. Mm -hmm. um, uh, wow, I can't even think of it. What was her name? Man, what's her name? Current or from the past? From the past. It's um, because Amy Winehouse was one of them for me. Where I was like, ain't nobody Ooh. sound like her. She's amazing. And then um, what is what? She's what is giving me Billy Holiday. Not Billy Holiday. No. She gives me. It's another jazz singer. It's Ella Fitzgerald. Nah, not Ella. I no. forgot who her idol was. I'm trying to think now. It wasn't. Uh, I know Dinah Washington. I was. I was going to say that first. I don't know why I went through yeah. them. I was going to say Dinah yeah. Washington. I was going to say that. Yeah, and I didn't realize it till I. It was a random mm -hmm. interview I saw, and then I was like, "Oh my gosh." And you listen to Dinah mm -hmm. and you listen to Amy, it's the same delivery. Mm -hmm. They're so um, conversational yet melodic with their with their mm -hmm. approach. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it's so good. It, it's so good. I love that because to me, there's those certain artists where I'm like, ain't nobody sound like that until you see what they were inspired from. And you're like, ah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And you just, just keep going. Yeah. yeah, same thing with Russell Tompkins Jr. from the Stylistics. That yeah. also watched the watch document or documentary of a, a DVD series I had in the interview he did. He said his favorite singer of all time was uh, Miss Dion Warwick, and I didn't never make that connection until he said that. And then when I went to go listen to, I was like, it was there the whole time. I'm like, and now every stylistic song, he sounds like. Dion to me. Yeah, back in the 60s, Dion. Because yeah. he said he wanted to be the male, vo male vocal Dion. Like, I was like, I love that. Because I'm like, now that's all I hear now when I hear his voice is Dion. Because it's like, even though he's in that falsetto, but the way I, I call Miss Dion Ward, uh, the, she's like the gold track Olympic when it comes to vocals to me. Because the way yeah. she would pace through a song, her phrasing, like it's Crazy. it's a moment. It's 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 a cause songs like it's just the space that she would feel in the song. Like she knows the arrangement's gonna take away with with uh Baccarat and, and and all those those records they did for her. She just knows the placement where she's supposed to be. And I think that's what uh, Whitney followed that, Luther followed that in terms of that yes. influence with Dion. I just love talking about uh, I'm a yeah, hopefully the audience. I talk about her damn near every episode, Miss Dion Ward. But you know, 
I had to tell her that I, I interviewed, I was like, listen, ma'am, your vocals was a time that the whole 60s era, 70s, everything. Yeah. But this game, I, I think you played it before. <laughs> I, I've kind of fine-tuned it since the last time you played it. The What's Wrong With You game, either or game, not artist comparison. Basically want to know who you play more in your playlist. Uh, very chaotic because I just make up the rules as I go, so I don't know where I'm going with it. I just based off of how y'all talk to me. That's <laughs> that's how I make up the rules. But okay. either or game, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing because I did, I had to. I'm definitely fine tuning to this one because the other guests were complaining about my picks. So I'm definitely fine tuning <laughs> it a little bit since since the last episode. I, I'm making a few changes, but the first one. Marvin Gaye or Teddy Pendergrass? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna go Marvin. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Marvin. Okay. The the next one, the OJs or the Whispers? Oh, Whispers. <laughs> yes. Yes. Whispers, uh, Rick. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Rick James or Prince? Prince. Okay. Those are all trick questions. Either one you went with, but you get extra bonus points because you said the whispers. I don't usually care, but if you pick, uh, uh, what was it, Teddy Pendergrass, you pick the whispers, so you got bonus on that. And if you would have picked Rick James, I just give it the. I feel like it's more accurate to do Rick James and Prince because people always do Prince versus MJ. I get tired of that one, and I'm like Rick James and Prince just seems more accurate to you yeah, know. That's, yeah, 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 way more accurate than MJ and Prince, but. You pick. Like, I don't mind it. I, like I said, I don't. I don't mind the the Prince or Richard, whichever one. But like I said, bonus because the Whispers they got them hits. You understand from every decade, you know. Yo, they, Whisper. My my favorite miss. song is, is Chocolate Girl. Whispers. <laughs> Ooh, you took it back with that one. Ooh, my, that's my top. Oh, you did. Listen, you're real. Whispers, that's my go-to. I have to see them twice a year. I have to. It, they, well, I tell you, they give you a performance every time. They be doing a daggone thing. Love the Whispers. But yeah. yeah. Uh, now we're at the part of the game now. <laughs> that's why I make up the rules as I go. <laughs> it's like a roller coaster ride I do with y'all. Now we're at the part of the game now. Those are the easy ones. Now we're at the top of the roller coaster. And now you got to get all these right. Okay. <laughs> or you get what's wrong with you. <laughs> okay. So you gotta get all of them right or you know. <laughs> okay, I'm just go I'm just gonna start it off with this is Michael Jackson specific. Okay. Off the wall or thriller. Um off the wall for me. There we go. I'm talking right. Ain't nothing wrong with you on that one. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, it's off the wall for me. I will accept off the, uh, now. It's not like people think the either or that I'm dissing the other. It's not that. It's just yeah, I, I, I have to these, off the wall more. Yeah, thriller. Yeah. If you don't name me at least, baby, be mine. Pyt like some actual cuts. Like it, it's easy to say be it thriller. You know. All the I call it I call it the male singles because uh, I'll be yeah. believing if you name them it's like because I I get it 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 was you know it was a monumental album of course but I wanted the whole purpose of the game I just want people to just open up 
you know, and just tell me what you're actually listening to. And I believe it. I, I might take some points away, may add on some points if I believe you. It's just like I said, I make up the rules. It's just if I'm not believing what you say, I may take some points off. But I believe you that you're listening off the wall and you didn't get nothing wrong, nothing wrong with you on that. But the next one, okay. <laughs> I feel like I feel like, well, I think I think I know what you're gonna say. You had mentioned this earlier. I feel like I know where you're going. Miss Aretha Franklin. Okay. Or Miss Patty LaBelle. Patty. Patty. There we go. I, yeah. All day. Yes. There Patty. we go. You're acing it right now, Dre. You're acing it. You're acing I know, it. I know way more Patty songs. Right. Oh, man. And listen, and I said I was going to lean towards Aretha because I do kind of listen to more Aretha, but I got to listen to the whole album. I, I don't really have Aretha on my playlist. It may be like three to four songs, but I have I have way more Patty on the playlist than I do Aretha, but I listen to way more Aretha. Well, because she has way more albums than Patty, but still, if you add LaBelle in there, you know, you could add that in there too, but, you know, but, you know, you you acing it right now. You you ain't getting it wrong. Okay, this one I had to fine tune because I did, I added Brian McKnight to this, but I took him out from the last guest because of their reaction to it. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm take the, him out and then he been on hot fire this year with all the other stuff. I forgot all about it until yeah. they brought it up. I was like, let me go ahead and take it out because I feel like this is decision making in, <laughs> in this game. And so this one, I just added this on here. Raphael Sadiq or so all solo work, by the way. Raphael Sadiq or Babyface? Baby, oh, solo work. Mm -hmm. Both artists. I would say Babyface. Yeah, okay. I would say Babyface. So what's wrong with me? <laughs> it is a little bit. You know what? I just made this up. And so what I'm going to do is, you didn't pick what I picked because I feel like Raphael has a stronger solo album work than... I mean, it's kind of blasphemous to say because it's Babyface, but really the only album of Babyfaces that I've listened to all the way is Tender Lover. But since I, I'm going to have to do another review and, <laughs> and check out all of Babyface's solo albums, but just Raphael's alone from starting from Still Ray to Stone Rolling to God dang it, the 20, <laughs> all them albums like that. Fire. I, gotta, I gotta get into it more. I think I just I'm just ignorant to to, to his catalog. It's fine though. But yeah, yeah, that one I just added it in there, so I'm gonna be kind of lenient. And I guess I can. I, you know what? I'm I'm petty, so I'm just gonna do it. Anyway. Name me three. <laughs> name me three. Okay. Like I said, I make up the rules as I go. <laughs> mm -hmm. You got exactly 15 seconds to name me three babyface songs. Go ahead. Um. When can I see you again? Uh, every time I close my eyes, whip appeal. Okay. Um. Um. What's that other one? As <laughs> soon as I get home. There we go. Um. Uh, change the world. Um. Oh, um. What's that other one? My dad loved Babyface. I think I just I grew up listening to it. Yeah, I think that's why he he played that damn album out. 
Um, <laughs> um, it's no crime. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. But, but then <laughs> I don't listen to too much of it. I just know more of it. Listen, <laughs> I just want the honesty from y'all. You know, like I said before, I just, this is brand spanking new. I've always picked baby facing it, so this is different. <laughs> picking the opposite. I've been picking baby face. I've been strong, consistent with it for several years, but this time, or six years, I should say, and this is the first time I haven't picked baby face in this game. So, okay, you don't get it. What's wrong with you? I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to be petty and knock some points. You know, I ain't going to be petty because you was naming some joints. I'm going to give you I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you plus uh two point five points. No, I'm kidding. I'm gonna give you, <laughs> I'm gonna give you plus, I'm gonna give you plus twenty. I give you plus twenty. Okay, all your picks because they were real good. Okay, the next one, <laughs> SWV or Escape. I know more Escape songs. Are you serious? No more escape songs, but I listen to SWV more. To me, I if I would go see them live, I'm going to go see SWV. Okay, so playlist wise, you have more. I just need clarification. Who do you have more in your playlist, SWV or Escape? Escape. You escape. have more Escape than SWV. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? I would, say so. I would say so. I would say, listen, my why is my parents? <laughs> my, my parents, my parents had me. I was born ninety four. My parents were eighteen. That was their era. Okay, I get it. I, listen, they okay. SWV ninety two, Escape ninety three. I get it, but yeah. SWV has a longer catalog. So I'm that that's why I'm not computing why you know more escape than oh. SWV. Yeah. I mean, okay, yeah, so your parents yeah, yeah. so your parents was this huge escape fans. My mom, my mom, my mom. Okay. So what was she go? Oh, no, I ain't gonna I ain't gonna go that way. I was like they got a lot of ballads. They got a lot of sappy ballads and that was in at the time. So I get it. But so you going with escape is what I'm guessing at. If I'm going off of stuff that I listen to, yeah. Now, if you're going to go with Escape and SWV, got a, got a concert the same day, I'm going to go to SWV. I don't need to know the songs. If I want to go hear Coco saying the fuck down, I'm going to go to SWV. <laughs> it's based on... One song. You know what? I make up the rules as I go. I usually just do the playlist, but since you said that, I'm just going to have to take that as you pick SWV because I can't I accept... SWV off of that. <laughs> Off of that. I can't believe you. It's been a while since somebody's picked Escape in this game. I'm, I want to be petty so bad because I don't. I don't want. I didn't want that to be your answer. I swore you was gonna say SWV. Like I just knew it because you said Patty and they got the, the Patty cover of If Only You yeah. Knew on their, I think 2014 album or 2016 album. But they got the Patty cover on. They got a Patty cover. If Only You Knew. And she, yeah. uh, I went to the summer block party during the summer, and she was what? The the mic was on. I tell you that Coco was, yeah, she was she was hitting all the notes. Her Emily Lee, Lee got sweet tone too. She she starts it off, but yeah, wait, no, no, she comes in on the the second course, but 
Great vocals. Amazing. Yeah. But okay. I'm kinda I'm kinda I'm kinda conflicted. So just <laughs> just overall, so who are you picking playlist wise? So is it escape just all the way through or SWV? I just need to know just for clarification. Playlist wise probably escape. <sighs> okay. Like the last one. <laughs> <laughs> I will make this harder. I'm out. Listen, I will make this harder. Like I said, I make up the rules as I go. Okay, so you got 20 seconds to name me five escape songs. Go ahead. <laughs> um, just kick it. Uh, you're my little secret. Um. Oh. Um, <laughs> Um, five seconds. <laughs> man, probably wouldn't even be better with SWV. <laughs> yeah. And time, time out. Yeah, time ran out. <laughs> you you gave up after two, son? I did. I know I know more. <laughs> I know I know more. I know the timer put y'all on the clock. Every every time I put y'all on the timer, y'all be blanking out. That's why I do it because I'm petty and I'm petty with bail. I'm petty, petty, petty drinking, petty right, petty Davis. I like to hear the clock run out on y'all. I don't know why. I need to go. I need to explore that in therapy. Why I'm so petty all the time. But <laughs> you didn't you didn't name the uh, five songs, and so unfortunately. I gotta take off. I ain't gonna take off that many points. I'm gonna take off negative two points. You got, you got, you know, you had negative twenty in the last. I'm gonna take off negative two. I ain't gonna take off too many. Usually, I take off like negative fifteen, but I ain't gonna take off that much because I believe you. It's all about the. I just gotta believe what you're saying. It. Okay, next one, Joe to see. Understanding. <laughs> Sorry, man. Understanding. Who can I? Who can I run to? I <laughs> no, you gotta cheat. And get the list. <laughs> yeah, I have to look at the list. But, <laughs> yeah, pissed. Okay, go ahead. Jodeci <laughs> or Boys the Men? Boys the Men. I kind of figured you was going to say that because you don't give me that you was into Jodeci. You gave me Boys the Men because your voice, your, I'm just, with the music, it kind of aligns more with Boys the Men. I don't know why I think of Water Runs Dry. What? Listen. My Is that your favorite? My favorite boy. Song I was like, I feel like that's going. As soon as you named Boys the Man, I was like, that's probably his favorite song. I already knew it because it gives the vibe is there. Okay, you didn't pick what I picked. You supposed to pick Joe to see. Okay, like the, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it a little easier. Uh, Fifteen seconds. Name me three Boys the Man songs. Uh, Water runs dry and end the road. Uh, man, Motown Philly. Um. I know more. Why don't yeah? Hold up. <laughs> what can I think? Can't think of nothing. I hate the clock. Five seconds. That was three. I think I think I added on actually. I didn't <laughs> I heard two. You get Motel Philly and Water Runs Dry uh, <laughs> yeah. End of the Road. Okay, okay. You what name three. Sweet day. Wow. <laughs> you you got it. You got you got it. You name me three. 
Okay, so I give you plus five. I give you plus five. Okay. I give you plus five for naming three. Okay, next one. I think we're in the bonus round now. Okay, I had to switch this one out because they too many people complaining about it. I was trying to be funny, but they be taking it serious. But I was doing a tweet. I'm, I'm adding them in two different categories. Okay, let me do this. Ashanti or Alicia Keys? <laughs> nah, Alicia. Okay, Alicia. Alicia is a great songwriter. Mm-hmm. So is Ashanti, though. I can't knock her for that either. Right. Um, they both. That's actually that's a good like. Com- that's a good uh, people to the verse to put together. Yeah, like, I had yeah. But that's that's a good. You know, they level each other out. That's good. Um, Alicia. I pick okay. Alicia. Yeah, I, I love Alicia shit. Why you do I feel bonus. so sad? That's mm-hmm. my favorite. Ooh, you took it back with that one. Yeah, it's my favorite Ooh. Alicia song. Nice. I need to, that's another artist I need to deep dive into their catalog again because uh, the one for me when she put out the 2007 album, I forgot the name. That, I wore that album. Ow. Woo. Alicia's, uh, I forgot the name of, was it Freedom? Is that the name of that album? The one that has I'm Ready on it, I think. Oh, um. But it may have been, oh, it's an element of freedom. Okay, that's what it is. But I can't remember the year. Because it was. I think it's seven. Was it 08 or 09? It was either that, 2008 or 2009. It was when, or it may have been further than that, maybe 2011. Now I'm thinking about it. I got to randomly Google that, but. But yeah, love Alicia. Well, I had to switch this one out because the next one, <laughs> I put uh, these two are uh, Tweet. The next one is Tweet or Selena Johnson. Tweet. Tweet. Okay. That's, that's, she's up there for me. Tweet is, is really up there for me as far as an artist. I, I, mm. I, I truly like I, I idolize what she does as as a as a vocalist as as a composer i, I love tweet Woo! the last album she put out when i tell you i oh, always charlene give it praise charlene, charlene i can't get enough of it same top to bottom there's no skips Woo! for me on that damn album shout out to charlie burrell shout outs to 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 nissan to craig Amazing. She works with the same team every time, and it's just perfection. Quartet R&B, that's what I call it. It's amazing. Yes. But yeah, yep. I just yep. I just added Selena in there because I was like, <laughs> I had tweeted Ashanti. <laughs> the guests didn't. No. They wasn't liking it. <laughs> well, I was just being funny and petty because I was just right. like, I was like, I can make it better and put, I was like, because well, I couldn't do Keisha Cole and I was like, I gotta pick somebody that I like out of it. I was trying to pick somebody where it don't feel like I'm like trying to be a bully or something to talk about. I was trying to pick people that was kind of on the same level at the same time. So that was more accurate to do it. I, I had to, like I said, I had to fine tune it. So <laughs> you you like you like it. So okay, I love it. Okay, next one. This is this. I think this is the last. Or no, I may have two uh two more for you. Uh, Brandy or Monica. Brandy. Now her last okay. album, I love that B seven. Yo, I Woo. love that album. Mm. I Amazing. love, it. and people don't really like. To me, that's that's up there for me. 
I, 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 yo, I really, really, really love that album. Say something, uh, borderline, uh, mm. rather be saving all my love. It, it, yeah, it's a, top to bottom, I really loved that album, and I don't feel like people didn't really talk about it enough. It, exactly. Well, because they, uh, you know, you know how some of them get. They always trying to act like they're the vocal coaches of the using the vocabulary words like, oh, is this, this, and that. I, I would actually prefer behind the scenes. I wish he had. I heard. I seen a couple of. But I would have loved to see just the whole behind the scenes project on that and just how she created that. That would be awesome to see. But yeah, for sure. I feel the same way about the album. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, next one, Ohio Players or Earth, Wind & Fire? Earth, Wind & Fire. Earth, okay. Wind & Fire was my my first ever concert, live concert. I like begged my my mom to go. I went with my... It was... Uh, Seventh grade, I went with my friend's mom. My friend didn't even come with me. Went with my friend's mom to this concert. Um, Maurice White was still alive at the time. Um, uh, uh, I, uh, amazing. I got to hear, and obviously all the hits, but Philip Bailey did a, a cover of Betcha by Golly Wow, and I lost my shit as a little seventh grader. It was the Ooh. most the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. It was just so good. It was so good. Earth, Wind & Fire. It just, it's a, it's a um, nostalgic band. Mm -hmm. Listen, I, one day, I was just like, I don't know, because I do this randomly sometimes. I get kind of obsessive with music where I just, if I get an artist or group's music, I'll go through their whole catalog. Sometimes it takes me a week or whatever to get through it all, but when I tell you, I sat for one whole day and played Earth, Wind, and Fire, Earth, Wind and Fire's whole discography. It was just like you know, like how you read a book and it's so good you don't want to put it down. That's how I was with there. It was just yeah. album after album. Yeah. Just played the whole album through. It was fantastic. But we're at the conclusion of the What's Wrong with You game, and I've determined there's nothing wrong. Mr. Dre Scott, he won the game for for a couple things though, but that's fine. <laughs> won, yeah, a little bit. Listen, you you answered. Wait, well, oh, I almost forgot. This is the most important one, and I totally I don't know why this slipped my mind. Okay, last one, just in the bonus round, debut album or sophomore release? Who you going with, Miss Faith Evans or Miss Mary J. Blige? Who you going with? Damn. What was Mary's sophomore release? My life. Ooh, fuck. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh, and I always hate answering this question because everybody puts them two together, but I, I just I listen, I it's Mary. Fuck. <laughs> Man, man, listen, because again, I don't want to be disrespectful in no type of way. Listen, it's just who do you play more? This is the thing, it's not artist comparison. This would get y'all tripped up. It's not about comparing them, it's who do you, what do you play more in your playlist? The debut, who's ever debut or sophomore, who do you do you play 
Faith's or Mary's debut more on your playlist? The sophomore, do you play Faith or Mary's? It's that simple. It ain't it, it ain't artist comparison. Mary, so both debut and sophomore, you play more on the playlist. Yeah. I can accept that. Listen, I just want the truth from y'all. It ain't artist comparison. That's why I do it differently because people always compare the artists. I don't do that with this game because you get the truth when you like, when you get it down to that playlist. It don't yeah. matter if it's your favorite. If you're playing it, that's the determining factor. So if you say Mary, I believe you with yeah, both yeah. albums. What I wanted was you didn't do it. It's a bonus, so it don't count anyway. So there ain't no points deducted or <laughs> added on. It was a bonus. But what I wanted was Faith debut and then Mary sophomore. That's so, how that's supposed to go. I, and so, but yeah, it's just unskippable. Faith's debut, unskippable album. I don't, I, I can't. It, it just everything about it. I get what's the four one. It's no knock to what's the four one. I got the what's the four one t shirt. I love it. Favorite yeah. album cut is slow down. I love it. Love it to death. But when it comes down to the non skippable album, when I tell you the interludes included, I don't skip nothing on face yeah. debut. But yeah, no. fantastic. Faith is good. Faith's good for an interlude. I love her interludes. Whew. Yes, absolutely. Sure. But Faith be singing. Oh my gosh, it's that on all this love, it's the way she sings when she does the second choruses. It's just the way she writes. Like, I know she's just like a just a pure songwriter because the way she wrote that second verse in all this love to the listeners, just look it up. The way she sings that, she takes you to church and she just keeps driving it. It's like I've never heard nobody drive a second verse like that. Usually they give you all in the bridge. She's tearing that whole Second verse up. Oh my goodness! Wait, one of my favorite. Before we before we get to this next thing, give me give me your all time favorite bridge, and I'll give you mine. And everybody hates my answer, but give me your all time favorite bridge. Just singer wise, just just song, whether it be singer okay. or song or like melodically, whatever. Just when you think of like this bridge, always gets me going. What is your all time favorite bridge? Oh, without a question. Faith's uh, on the Way to Excel soundtrack, uh, Faith's uh, Kissing You, that bridge, where she sung that. I, it's, I always get praise to that because the way she got out of that bridge, oh, goodness, love it. What's yours? Everybody hate, everybody clowns me for it, but <laughs> it is Maya's My Love is Like Whoa. That bridge. Oh! That bridge, I love. There's it's nice that, though. I like that. It didn't Missy did Missy write on it. That's yeah. probably why I like it. Yeah, Missy wrote on it. You know, she wrote. Oh, and I say that, and she she actually is on my favorite, my second favorite bridge on um, what was it, the LSG uh, record, uh, all the time with with Coco Faith. Missy, Missy singing the bridge part. She comes out of that bridge. Oh, Missy, Missy's part. I love it. You people don't know. You look it up all the time. LSG featuring Coco, Faith, and uh, Missy Elliott. Missy doing her good singing. She kind of sound like Kelly Price a little bit when she was singing it. But my one of my friends said I'm giving her too much by saying a Kelly Price. I was like, listen, Missy be singing down, okay, on the backgrounds. I'm not going to 
I'm not going, but yeah, that Maya one, that's actually, I like that bridge. So they, that bridge. they need to, why. they need to get into the Missy catalog and, and get some learning done if they don't like that Maya song. I mean, like that bridge in particular, cause it's actually great. That's I, I'm not mad at that. That's actually good. But conclusion, I've determined there's nothing wrong. Like I said before, <laughs> Listen, I can't be mad at Mary. You can't never be mad at the Mary pick. That's why I make it a bonus, because you can never go wrong. You can pick either one. But there's nothing wrong with Mr. Dre Scott. He won the game. Won the game. And with uh, great guests, I love giving out great prizes. You know, I like to take care of all the guests. All the guests get taken care of. You know, I like to give them Constellation Prize. And so I'll be sure to make sure I cash up you uh, $4.92 so you can go to any any convenience store in Hawaii and just, uh, I don't know if <laughs> what, what the prices is over there. <laughs> you get you get you a, a nice drink of water and, or a Snapple and I don't know if they sell Pringles, whatever the, the Hawaiian snacks is, if you get it for $4.92. We upped the budget a little bit. We was at $2 and, you know, with sponsorship and all this stuff, I can afford to give out an extra $2, you know, get y'all some Pringles or some, some Skittles, some Skittles and some, <laughs> some a Gatorade, whatever, whatever, whatever you need. <laughs> I'm just joking around. Thank you so much for joining this ridiculous, playing this ridiculous game, What's Wrong With You, <laughs> ridiculous What's Wrong With You game, and thank you for being a guest on the podcast. I say all the time, and it's going to be a theme throughout, so I want the listeners to just know that I'm going to say this continuously. There's certain artists that I say they make soul imprint music, and I feel like that's what the J. Scott experience is, is soul imprint music, like the, the Sade's, the Anita Baker's, uh, Tony Braxton's, the... You know, those that make that just, you feel it, you feel it in every part of your being, you feel it. I feel like that's the kind of music that you make. And just thank you for your gifts, man. You're you're fantastic. I can't wait uh, till you come my way, wherever, if you're in Chicago or Dallas, I'm definitely going to be, you know, if I'm in Los Angeles at the time, or I'll check out your, your tour schedule and see whenever you're stopping through and I'll try to make it through. But yeah, I can't wait to see what you're, your new project sounds like feelings. Like I said before, it's resonant. You always got the great, I tell you all the time, greatest that I told you last time, background vocalist be singing down. So I can't wait to hear everything that you're 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 putting out into the to the world for them to hear. Yeah. I, I, I hope your touring experience is the best one. And I feel like you're the artist that's the longevity with your music and using your voice as an instrument is going to be so beneficial to people that need it you know just to get that vibes and to see that perform live so thank you so much i appreciate you thank you for having me thank you for the words thank you for putting me in that that caliber of of artists that that oh you're there you're there it's not a lot of people people that don't have that thing like i said before you had it on idol and you still have it now even though you were young and uh inexperienced but all of that skill was still present because I seen it and you know, you have that the ability to draw a crowd. Like I seen that with so many artists coming up that have that, that thing, you have to have that thing and you have that thing as an artist that had to do it. That thing is the longevity to withstand all the BS that goes on in this business. And I feel like 
your career is going to withstand all of that, all of the stuff that goes your way. And I feel like you're on your way because you're in the right hands. You got the right thing going on. But yeah, appreciate you. Is there anything else uh, the the audience should be looking forward to? The the new project releases next year, um, at the top of next year. So just be looking forward to that. And hopefully I get to see y'all in person. You get to hear me live and actually get to experience what I do. Um, nice. And just thank you for, for listening. And thank you for having me. And you know, and, and always, and keep me in mind. And next oh, no time, I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have a, 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 a plus, ten out of ten <laughs> score, like oh, I yeah. did, like I did the first time. Yeah, oh for sure. You gonna get, listen? I got another. I just came up with. A, I got another edition of this game. I'm gonna premiere on the 2024. So whenever you drop your new project, I'm definitely gonna be hitting you back and. You're going to be getting a new fine edition, but this time it's going to be completely different. I can't wait to share it with you, but it's going to be fun. I feel like you're going to ace it, though, because you've got a good ear. It's mostly using your ears. It's going, to be, it's going to be different, but thank you so much. What's your social media so the listeners can know where to find you and your, yeah. you know, all your information? Yeah, I'm at um, I am Dre Scott on all platforms, Twitter, or I guess X now, um, Instagram, Facebook, all that. I am Dre Scott. TikTok, all the thingies, um, yeah, and um, look out me, look out for me there. I post all the things that's coming up, and I really mm. again get to hope I get to see you, and you know, mm-hmm. hug your neck, shake a hand, and yeah, and get for to sure, see y'all in person. Nice, listen, you listen to the Soul Savage podcast, your host Q Lynn. Listen, believe this is. Uh, I think we got a couple more we got before we go into 2024. But if this is your first time listening in, listen, I try not to be an absentee parent on this podcast. <laughs> I try to show up sometimes on the weekends for y'all, but we got some good things coming in the works for 2024. But if you keep listening in, we got a lot of great artists and uh, great musicians that's going to be uh, guests on the coming episode. So make sure y'all tune in. But yeah, Soul Sadness Podcast. We out, y'all. Thank you so much, Mr. Dre. Whether you need to be comforted, soothed, or relaxed, Soul Savviness got you. The ultimate getaway. You are listening to the sounds of Soul Savviness Podcast, where we are sure to put your mind, body, and soul at ease.